Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Oh boy. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting day. Uh, I just found out a little bit ago. Jesse's not going to be able to join us uh, today, so I have an extended time uh, to talk to Brianna Cannon when she calls in. <laughs> she just called in. <laughs> Wasn't that, that's great. She's so prompt. Um, but we have an extended time with Brianna if she has the time to stick around for three hours today, uh, which would be fabulous. And we had, actually, she was here with us four hours last week. Uh, so we're getting uh, uh, our, our young Padawan here is, is getting marathon radio experience. I'm, I couldn't be happier. I love having her on the show. And it really is a pleasure. So I got—I don't quite have the theme done yet. I've been busy, you know, doing everything else about Action Radio. So let me at least play something to introduce our, our, our new person here, our newest superstar here uh, at Action Radio. So I can find my—where uh, is it? Where up to? So this is what happens when I try and scroll and do things all at the same time. Let's try this one. Wait a minute. One more time. What's wrong with my buttons today? There it goes. Now, Government Inquiry with Brianna Cannon. How's that for an intro? That's your turn now. It's pretty cool. I'll meet, I'll meet, I'll meet your phone. <laughs> I keep forgetting. There's like this delay. It, it's, uh, it, it's not you. It, it, just, it just sort of amuses me. But uh, there's always just a little bit of time before you uh, join in. I know you're thinking. I know it's, it's, it's wonderful. But it's, it's like, wait, is she there? You know, because there's, there's so much. Uh, we've got a little bit of rain over the, uh, the studio today. So if the uh, signal cuts for any reason, I still have to get one of those, those permanent whatever power things to keep it constant. But every once in a while, we'll get a thunderstorm, like right overhead. Lightning will hit within, you know, 50 yards of my place here and uh, take the show out. So just wait five minutes, call back in. I'll restart the show with, uh, with a different episode. And that's how that works. We have so much to talk about. I mean, I, I don't know where to begin today. So uh, if you can stick around, that'd be great. Uh, so, so feel free to uh, do another marathon. Um, but um, there's just so much to do. And this is, this is a great opportunity for you, too, to just get tons you know, of experience doing this. And so uh, anything you might want to do in the future uh, with radio, with broadcasting, with politics, with anything, this is going to stand you, I think, in good stead, which is part of the reason I like giving you as much airtime, you know, as, uh, as you can do, you know, given education and things like that. So, well, first of all, are you having fun doing this? Is this, being, is this a good experience so far? I mean, I'm sure it is, but I'm just curious. Absolutely. Okay. Well, then let's pursue it. Let's, let's see what rather There's never a day where I don't learn something. Yeah, well, yeah, me too. <laughs> this is like my biggest classroom. Well, this is one of the things I do. I, I sort of developed a management philosophy, you know, way back when, when I had, you know, I've never really been, you know, had a management position, probably because I think I'd do a good job and, and let people do what they wanted, <laughs> which is pretty much what I do here. Um, and I just, I came up with this theory, educate, motivate, delegate. And so if you can educate people, then they can do it themselves or, or you get educated people. If you can motivate them, you know, and inspire people. It's like, go ahead, take a chance. I don't care. You know, try something. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, we'll all learn together. Chances are it's going to work. It's the things not tried that I think are, are the big tragedy. And the third one is delegate. Okay, you're in charge. You do it. <laughs> you know, it's your report, whatever you want. You know, and that's kind of how I approach Action Radio. Uh, and so that's unusual 
it's unusual because I know in all the jobs I've worked in the places I've been in the volunteer stuff, it's very hierarchical. And I never wanted Action Radio to be that hierarchical. So you are just, you know, you are equal to the fact you're new here and, and you're younger means, you know, I mean, I point that out because it's interesting, but not because it has any basis in where you stand with the organization. You're every bit as valid as every other reporter who's been here for four years. You know, it's all based on what you can do, what you bring to the table and, uh, and how it works. And I think that that makes sense. So, uh, again, as you, as you start working and find, you know, more hierarchical places, this is the exception here at Action Radio. So uh, uh, any, uh, any comments or, or, you know, as you, as you go through, be curious to see, you know, and following your career, what things that you come up with and where you end up and go, huh, it's not like Action Radio. <laughs> Unless, of course, you end up running this thing one day, which is entirely possible. So anyway, back to you. Um, have you had job experience or hierarchical organizations compared to, say, Action Radio and how we do things here? Any that uh, would be relevant? Um, I mean, not really, I don't think. Um, I have a very limited job experience. Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, organization um, things, you like, know. I mean, it could be anything. But I mean, I, this, I'm throwing, for folks that don't know, we do not rehearse this show, and my ADHD brain just comes up with stuff out of nowhere. And so I had no plans to talk about this today, but just, I just thought it's interesting because um, I think we're going to get into party politics and, and hierarchy and other things like that pretty soon. Anyway, so in your, in your experience, I mean, it could be Girl Scouts. It could be anything. Do you, do you see organizational structures? Have, have you been able to take a look at some of those, even schools, how they're organized? That's just a new yeah, topic for um, you. Like some of the clubs like um, Student Council has that kind of idea mm-hmm. where like the um, – off, the people who hold the office, especially like in middle school, people mm-hmm. who held office um, really kind of like came up with the decisions and they were more involved than everybody else and what was going on. They were always like the first choice. So there was always like, um, I guess, the hierarchical idea of like first and second pick on doing things. Hmm. You know, this is interesting. Let's pursue this a little bit, because what I'm thinking is you look at uh, party politics, you look at corporate structure, and I'm wondering if people that gravitate or, or to the top of these things are people that have always wanted control. And does it start with a student council? Do you see people emerging now who you can see? Yeah, they're going to end up running uh, you know, Twitter one day and fire all the Americans. <laughs> You know, bringing a bunch of uh, left-wing communists from different countries. I mean, <laughs> that's probably an extreme example. But do you, see, do you see that forming in people? Do you see trends in people? Do you see people that want more control as opposed to, you know, me? I'm very much in independence. So how do I run an organization like Action Radio and maintain my, my beliefs and my, and my principles of independence? Well, I do it by, like I say, educate, motivate, delegate, and, and just let people go. Uh, but that's not the way the world works. This is why I think this is a bit interesting contrast for you. Do you see people kind of... In positions like, in in positions like school offices and things like that, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's um, more of an individual kind of thing and individual aspirations. Because I mean, there's going to be like some people that have those power aspirations; they just like want to be on the top. But I think for the most part, if you go to like student council or like national honor society or different things like that. Um, mm-hmm. it's really just people who want to be like leaders and, and help to motivate other people. It's generally the feeling of what people have whenever they decide to go and do that. Mm. Okay. Well, let's, let's sort of relate to the political situation. And then of course, you know, we've got tons of time today. So whatever topics you have, um, I'm thinking of, I'm watching what's going on in politics right now. And I'm seeing a Republican party not fight for itself. 
You know, I've been calling them the gelding old party for, I don't know, a better part of a year now. Uh, or the surrender party is what they're rapidly becoming. They are not fighting for this election. They are letting it being stolen. It's being stolen right now in front of our eyes. You know, um, I, came up, I came up with thought, uh, I think yesterday or like the night before, um, that it, they're waiting for, you know, ballots to be counted. And I thought, well, geez, it's really fast when they count ballots. You know, they had the results within a couple of hours when the polls closed. How'd they do that? And then it occurred to me that, Every time you put a ballot in a voting machine, and I know you haven't voted yet, but um, I'm sure you know how the process works, or I'll I'll just tell you, the votes go into a voting machine, or they have these touch screen things, which I really hate, because I'm sure those are even more programmable. But the way it's supposed to work, ballot goes into a voting machine, and it's counted right then and there. So it seems to me that because they're using machines and tabulators, that when the last person, you know, in a state, you know, leaves the polls, um, then all the votes are counted, and it's just a matter of coordinating the results. You got company? Oh, I think she's talking to someone. Yeah, I'm. Am I talking to myself? No, that's my dog. She. Oh. She has something to say. Oh, okay. Do you want to put her on? We we get dogs occasionally. Yeah, she's speaking and dog. Yeah, <laughs> it's a joke. All opinions are valid here, even dog opinions. It probably some better some of the the, the callers I've had in the past. Oh. Um, so if a dog barks, don't worry about it. It's no problem. What what, what kind of dog is it? Uh, Pomchi. A who? A palm chief? A Pomeranian chihuahua. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what does the word yapper come to mind? Is she a yapper? Um, not as much. Okay, good. Only when she feels like she needs to be, really, but... That must be the chihuahua part, because Pomeranians can be really loud. That's funny. Yeah. I, you couldn't call her a cheap palm. She does have oh. an attitude, that's for sure. Oh, she does. Interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, I, this is totally digressing, but I have a Facebook video that I found. And it's of a, of a deer. It's a mule deer with a really big set of antlers. And it comes to this uh, cattle fence, you know, the, the four bars across it. And it looks at it and thinks what to do. It puts one horn under, then it puts the other horn under, uh, or antler under. And then it just kind of crawls under it. It's like, that's really smart. That animal knows exactly how big those horns are and what it takes to get them under a fence. So never underestimate animals. Animals are, I think, incredibly intelligent, much more so than we give them credit for, uh, especially when earthquakes happen. Yeah, I mean, speaking I was, of hierarchy... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that little dog is in, at the very top of our house. You know, she's really? In <laughs> That's yeah. fascinating. Well, you know, animals have hierarchy. You know, everything from bees to wolves to, uh, you know, various societies of animals. And, and we have hierarchies here, too. Uh, <laughs> the pets are in charge. <laughs> That's interesting. So, so the dog eats when it's hungry and demands food and barks and yaps. And, but do you, do you know when someone's at the door kind of thing? I mean, is, does she do the watchdog stuff or does she not care? Is that your job? Yeah. Um, she normally starts barking and stuff whenever the other dogs start barking. She's like following suit. Oh, you have a flock or a herd? I guess it's a herd of dogs. <laughs> well, yeah. it's I think she just wants to put in her two cents. Keep that oh, power. Oh, that's fine. Well, see, if, if you had a cat you know, and you're reading a newspaper, they'd be on the newspaper or magazine. That's how that works. Cats will sit on what you're reading. Dogs will just speak because they know it's a microphone. If you're speaking into it, it must be fun. <laughs> that's, that's kind of funny. Um, but you look at the hierarchy, like I say, of, of like the parties. Uh, and I think that's one of our biggest problems in government right now is parties. We've got a surrender party. We've got a, a Marxist party. And we've got a, a situation where everything is party. And then we're in this weird situation. I'm curious your, your reaction because I want to write a bill. Uh, and actually, I may ask you to write this bill if you're interested. Uh, and it's a bill to, for anybody that's running for office or anybody that's in office, they cannot belong to a party. 
because you look at the situation now, the, all the news is about whether the Republicans are going to, you know, keep control of the House or take control back of the House. And they can do that with one person over the majority. So I think it's like 218, because uh, there's 435 House members. So I guess 218 is, is uh, it's like half a person more, you know, because it's, it's an odd number. What that means is that 216 <laughs> of the House members or 217 uh, have no control. And so do we have a representative government if we have parties and one party controls the votes, the committees, which bills come to the floor, you know, the budgets? If one party controls, you know, half of Congress and that party that has one member less than, you know, half, uh, as opposed to the party that has one member more than half, um, is that a representative government? Hmm. Yeah, and like... If we were to hypothetically like do this where there's there's no um, party system, because mm-hmm. I think I've heard you mention this before, and I actually started thinking about it, and I okay. know that George Washington, um, you know, the very first president, um, for those of you who don't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been to uh, private or homeschool who don't know that we had a founding. It wasn't in 1619. <laughs> it wasn't a, we're not the country of slavery. Uh, I'm sorry, I had to throw that in. Yeah, so go ahead. Continue. Yeah. But George Washington is very against the party system. He, mm-hmm. um, I, I was going to say thought, but at this point he knew that it was um, going to divide and not represent the people as much. And mm-hmm. so if we were to do this and actually like, get rid of like the party system, how would this affect like Congress and, and how it's run with like you know, majority leaders and the Speaker of the House and, um, you know, how they well, have, like, their two different meetings. Like the, I think one called, like, the conference and um, I forgot what they called the Democratic one, but where, they, but where the two well, different the parties. Caucus, like, the caucus, where they caucus together, yeah. in other words, talk. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's so stupid. So oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's an, Congress has its own language. You know, if you ever get a chance to be a congressional intern, do it. <laughs> Go to Washington uh, and just take notes, <laughs> you know, and, and, and keep a journal because that would be a great book. Um, but uh, it's a fascinating place just because of the absurdities of what happened there. It really is its own world. So here's what I was thinking. The, in fact, I, I need to sort of uh, get your opinions and what you know, because uh, this, is, this is one of the areas I don't know about, is why Washington was so against parties and how the country functioned early in, the, in its constitution without parties. People tend to gravitate towards parties just because it's a, it's a social thing and it's a power thing. And just like your, your student council, certain people rise to the top, certain people get control. Uh, it's like a union. It's like a, a corporate management. You know, they're, they're both very similar. And the bigger they get, the more corrupt they get. Well, I and think, the parties – go ahead. Yeah. I think that's what parties have become. And I think there's still more to what a party mm-hmm. is for. But I think originally parties were there as a representative of – as a representation – of shared beliefs between people. Like, I mean, when you think of, like, the very, very first kind of, like, split of ideas, I mean, it might mm-hmm. not be Russia's first, but I can remember, of, like, you know, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. Like, they were called, like, two separate, not parties at this point, but two separate groups of ideals. One mm-hmm. set of people were like, this constitution is great and it's perfect and it needs to be ratified. And then the other half was like, oh, no, there's some problems with it, or even some other people who were like, no, we don't need it at all. And so they kind of separated two groups into, like, what people would belong to based on their ideas, mm-hmm. like whether they were for or against. And 
and then it um, trickled down more into like, parties when they actually formed. I think it was something that represented um, the beliefs and the values and the ideas that people had. And it was, um, I think it was more of just kind of a representation of it. And now I think it has become more of like a power thing because now you don't even know where half of your representatives that are running are actually stand for and actually um, believe in because you don't know that anymore. Now it's all jumbled and like you said, power hungry a lot of the time. No, but I think some of it still yeah. is what people have. I, I like certain um, people still have are showing the same exact views as the party that they represent. Well, actually, I think it's worse than that. I think they have to represent the party. Uh, I think originally uh, you had the, the Federalists. I think it's a great example, the, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. As I'm going through the Federalist Papers, I'm finding myself very much of an Anti-Federalist because I'm seeing all the problems that they talked about then, a massive national debt, uh, a, a corrupt government, concentrations of power, you know, assuming powers they don't have, all the things that the, the Anti-Federalists were worried about, uh, lack of enforcement of any of the, contra, uh, of the, the constitutional provisions, all those have come to pass. It's fascinating. And when the, uh, the Federalists were worrying that, well, we have to have a constitution or the country will break into factions and, and have a civil war. When we got the constitution, the country did break into factions and we did have a civil war. <laughs> you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's kind of <laughs> ironic that the, the reason for the constitution existing, you know, it caused the very thing it was, it was set about to prevent. So which goes to my philosophy that uh, everything is backwards. I wrote a book called The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, talking about uh, how we train pilots to fly. And I remember one line said that even the backwards is backwards. It is so backwards that we've even reversed the reversals and, and still got to a, a further strange place. And so things are so convoluted now that you don't need, you know, the party, uh, the, the representatives come to us for our vote, but they don't represent us. They represent the party. The party chooses who is put forward to us. Independent people can't run. If someone says, I'm going to be an independent, I don't want to be a Democrat or a Republican. You know, even if they're a libertarian or a green or something like that, it's basically the same thing, being completely independent, because these other parties have no power, because the two-party structure regulates our choices. So you can't have a free election if you're only really choosing from a Republican or a Democrat. Remember last week we went over uh, where they're on the political spectrum? It's a pretty narrow band, right? Yeah. Between Republican and Democrat? Okay. So if that's our choice, we don't have a free choice, because we're missing about you know, 85% or more, maybe even 90% of the potential political spectrum. And no, I don't want anarchists, and no, I don't want totalitarians. But there's a, there's a place, you know, somewhere between centrist and anarchy, you know, where we're supposed to be, where we have the minimum laws to protect ourselves and our property. And that's it. And neither party wants to do that. You know, the, both parties have a huge national debt. Both parties are sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. Both parties kept us in Afghanistan for 20 years. Both parties put us in Iraq. Both parties you know, caused uh, us to be in Korea, Vietnam, and uh, a bunch of other places. Both parties are letting illegal aliens in by the millions, one party more than the other, but still, you know, it's uh, the, the both parties have kept the ones that have been here, even though Trump blocks most of the new ones coming in. So both parties have a, have a tax structure that favors them. And, and so it's, it's a fascinating thing. The parties aren't that different. So therefore, if we have parties, our range of choices is so narrow that they're excluding some really interesting people that might not have enough money or might not have enough party loyalty to rise within the party so they can rise within the political structure. And that in itself is a reason, I think, to get rid of parties in terms of, of running for office and being in office. I don't want parties to go away because it's a free country. 
We have free speech. They can, they can raise as much money as they want. They can spend as much money as, uh, as they want. But you can't belong to a party if you're in office or running for office, and they cannot contribute directly to the candidates. That's how I think the best, uh, the best way out of this is. So parties can be independent. Sure. No problem. But we need to separate legislators from parties. So if uh-huh. – So like the Republican Party, like separate of the candidates, if they were like mm-hmm. to still raise money and everything, where would all the money go that they were going to be raising for a Republican Party? Well, they, the money would be spent on behalf of the candidates by the party, but the party would not give any money directly to the candidate. So no candidate would run on a ballot uh, in terms of um, – in terms of Republican or Democrat. In fact, there wouldn't be any party affiliation. Now, in, in practicality, everybody's going to know for, for a long time you know, who was which party and the, where the money's going to come from. So the coalition isn't going to go away overnight. But gradually, I think over time, more and more people, as they get used to independence, you know, and then who gets on the ballot? Well, I guess the top uh, you know, four people or six people or 10 people for an office. You know, first of all, you wouldn't have primary more. You don't have, you'd only have a general election. So the campaign, because you, you wouldn't have parties, right? Now, the parties could still meet, and they could still hold conventions, and they can still say, we support, you know, so-and-so. Uh, and they'll spend money on their behalf and make commercials for them, but they can't give money to them. Uh, the candidates can, can say to themselves, yeah, it's great. Thanks for your support. You know, it would be interesting if, uh, if the parties end up supporting the same candidate. <laughs> that would be kind of funny. Um, but the point would be that in office, in order to represent the people, they cannot belong to a party. Because in the, the current state right now, everybody's fighting for control of Congress. Well, who should control Congress? I mean, I, I didn't think of this until just now, but if the, if, the, if the main argument in the news that the Republicans and Democrats are fighting for control of the House, where are the people? Aren't we in control of the House? You know, do you notice who just got left out of that question? Why are we assuming that, that the parties control Congress? I think that's a fascinating uh, you know, a little sort of a uh, verbal development here that they're, everybody's talking about, and everybody's accepting it. The parties control Congress, not the people. Hmm, he said, throwing it back to Brianna. Hmm. <laughs> what, what oh, do you think? Well, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I think, like, in a way, um, how you say things can definitely change the way that things are thought of because. I mean, in like a a hundred years ago kind of sense, um, but like of a a political party and stuff, I think it goes back to like the ideas representing the people, you know, what people um, value and stuff goes towards like the party that they vote for. um, That candidate like runs along all the same lines as that. Then Uh it would be more of like uh, representing the people in that sort of sense. But I think whenever we look at it from like a realistic point of view of what's going on with like what you're saying of like the parties being controlled, I think there mm-hmm. definitely is a, a disregard for the people. And I think there has been for quite a few years. I think it's been like an ongoing thing of the people slowly losing power and the government slowly gaining power. There was one statement I learned in my um, college class um, about the executive branch and the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was feel, that. Feel free. Yeah. It was has the executive branch reached equal status with Congress? That was. The that was a statement or a question? Statement. That the Both. executive branch is equal. Kind of like a, yeah, they shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, there there is kind of a hierarchy. Uh, Congress is at the top of the food chain, followed by the executive, followed by the uh, judicial. 
the judicial is kind of like the referee between the executive and the legislative because the executive has the power of executive order, but only under the authority of a law created by the legislative. So the legislature creates the law. Congress writes the law, passes the law. Now, the president is a check on the power of Congress through the veto. So then it can go back to Congress and a two-thirds can override the president. So there's a check on the president's power. But the president, once the president has a law, can implement that law with executive orders sent to the regulatory agencies. Now, the problem is that the regulatory – go ahead. I think think the question was more like um, away from the actual how the process should be. Mm-hmm. And more of like what it's become. Yeah, but that's a, yeah, and exactly. That's what I'm getting to. So the regulatory agencies have become their own governments. They become their own kingdom. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know if you're on the, the show or not, but I talked about uh, the nation of government, and I think I might write an article on this. I'll have to go back and, and look it up. But I actually talked about Washington as as the the federal government as its own country. It's got a border, <laughs> you know. It's got D.C. It funds itself. It has its own bureaucrat army. There's 287,000 armed bureaucrats in the federal government, including 87,000 new IRS agents. That's an army. The Marines only have 185,000 soldiers, combat soldiers. Yet the bureaucrats have, 100, you know, have 287,000. There's almost uh, 100,000 more armed bureaucrats than Marines. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it is, it is like its own country with its own borders, its own taxes, it's a self-supporting government, and they, it's a self-supporting nation. Uh, it's almost like they have their own citizenship. You know, if you work for the government, you're a citizen of the nation of government. Uh, it, was a, it was a whole new idea, but they become so big and so powerful that they control so much um, that the, the regulatory agencies become these kingdoms. And then we t- I think we talked about this last week, how the, the declaration of emergency for COVID was never voted in Congress. It was never signed by the president. The Secretary of Health and Human Services simply post a notice in the Federal Register saying that I am declaring an emergency. And that was it. That was the whole thing. And the biggest provision of that was that the vaccine companies aren't liable for the vaccines that we're going to order them to produce and pay for with tax dollars and yet give them all the profits. Now, what kind of a situation is that where a bureaucrat of an agency can declare an emergency for the nation, and then all the governors start locking down their states, all of which is unconstitutional. What does that tell you about hierarchy? Yeah, there's definitely a loss of power of the people in the states for that matter. Mm -hmm. I actually just did an essay on that. Oh, good. Yeah. Do you want to read it? What? You want to read it? It's up to you. Sure, why not? Be a good experience. Let's see. I, want, I had another idea for you to words. read a, a bill, too. But t- listen, hey, we got time. It's just us. <laughs> you know, nobody else has called in. So feel free. Let's, uh, let's uh, hear what you got. We've got to get you a microphone, by the way, too. So tell your parents you want a Yeti Blue microphone for Christmas and a headset. So you can plug directly into <laughs> your computer and uh, just sit at your desk with your microphone and, and your hands free to read stuff so you don't have to hold your phone. I hope you have a phone stand or something. But so we need to get you a... Uh, uh, we definitely need to get you a, a microphone. Hope you're using a speakerphone too. You don't want the phone next to your head for too long. Yeah, I have earbuds right now. Okay, good. All right, that's good. All right. Well, let me hear your essay. Go ahead. Feel free. Okay. Scrolling. Give it one second. It's trying to huh? think. Okay. 
Well, so let me let me take a break for a second. Let me play a couple of things because I, I just pulled up my vaccine bill, which has the actual declaration of emergency in it. So let me play a couple of things real quickly, and give you a chance to mute yourself. And then when uh, when you hear some kind of a theme that sounds like we're coming back, uh, come on back. We're all just announcing back, Brianna. <laughs> uh, I'll be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. Yes, putting all my cliches in one place. <laughs> I had so much fun making that. Um, Brianna, if you get more and more into this, uh, get yourself uh, either Audacity uh, or uh, Adobe Audition, um, and you can learn how to make your own radio productions. And if you make something on an MP3, uh, send it to me, and I'll, I'll post it, and we'll, uh, we'll play it on the show. It'll be kind of fun. Um, so anyway, yeah, especially if like, you have an essay reading or something like that you want to include as, as something to play here. That'd be interesting. So again, uh, we're only as limited as our imagination, and mine's pretty big. <laughs> That's really no limitation at all. So let's bring you back on and uh, let's, let's uh, tell me about your essay and, and feel free to make comments during your essay if you have a revelation and let's, uh, let's hear what you got. 
Sounds good. And I have it up in just a second, but something that just came up, because mm-hmm. like, just like while you were playing those, I found something, is, and I had, I had to look it up. It says a okay. scientist, which I, I don't know about this. I haven't read into it very much. Mm-hmm. The scientists studied 12 masks and found that each of them contained cancer-causing compounds. And so I Googled it, and there's like 20 articles here to look from. 12 but, what's now? I don't 12, know. What, what, they, what they studied? Masks. Oh, masks. Okay, that didn't come Yes. Okay, so there we go. Yeah, so so uh, it's, it's a phone thing, and it's uh, you know when we get crystal clarity, and I got a new website, and we can broadcast, you know, an absolute stereophonic excellence. So twelve masks, and they had what was in them? Cancer-causing compounds in all of them. In the mask itself. I haven't read or, it yet, so I don't know anything about it. But let's read it right now. Go ahead, just over it. Let's uh, no, pull it up right now. This will be this is another spontaneous radio thing. Of, of it's called a cold reading. That's when you read something on the air that you haven't read. And, uh, and and feel free to comment. So go ahead and drag up the article. Let's, let's do it cold. Let's see what you got. This will be another uh, uh, interesting okay. experience. I'm go going to usanews.com. Mm-hmm. If you have an author uh, and a date, uh, that's really important, too. We always want to give credit uh, for the sources that we use. So if you can find the article author and then anything else about it that uh, identifies it, then go for it. With commentary. Um, it's says, scientists studied 12 masks. Every one contained this cancer-causing compound, posted November 8th of 2022 by Constitutional Nobody. Hmm, anonymous. This is getting more interesting. We'll have to find out who they are. It might say at the bottom, but uh, in the byline. The byline means who it's by. Uh, it's, it's one of those journalistic things. But go ahead. Uh, tell me what it says. And, it, uh, like says I say, feel free under, to, yeah. it says under it, and I don't know if it goes with the like voting thing or if it goes with this, but it says by mm-hmm. Dr. Joseph Mercola of the Children's Defense website. Oh, do you know who he so is? That might be. No, I don't. Oh, you got it. Yes, he is a fabulous person. He is an amazing doctor. And he was so persecuted, so prosecuted, so demonized um, by big tech for telling the truth about COVID and the, uh, the gene jabs uh, that they banned him. And his article sometimes will have a, like a 24-hour time limit. So you got to read it within 24 hours, then it expires. So he doesn't get banned. Uh, it's it's he's a fascinating person. I'd love to have him on the show too. So Joseph Mercola, that's a good source. That's another reason I like to know the sources. So you have a very good source there. Uh, so I'll I'll, I'll uh, uh, what is it? Uh, back up your source that yes, this is this is probably going to be really interesting. Let's find out. Back to you. Okay. It says in a study of twelve masks, every mask contained titanium dioxide (TiO2) mm-hmm. particles mm-hmm. in at least one layer at levels that exceeded the acceptable exposure level. It says the International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies titanium dioxide as group 2B carcinogen, which means it is possibly carcinogenic to humans by inhalation. I have no idea what carcinogenic means. Causes cancer. But Carcinogenic means it causes cancer. Oh. Hey, I'm your backup. Oh. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's what carcinogenic. It's a fancy. A lot of times they'll use fancy words when they could use simple words like cancer causing, but they don't do that because they want to sound arrogant. And so uh, it's like saying prevarication instead of a lie. It means the same thing. You're prevaricating. What do you mean? I'm lying. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're lying. You know. So it's, it's 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 just a fancy way of saying stuff. Now what's interesting is titanium dioxide. Titanium is a metal. 
And titanium's used in like the uh, the SR-71, some of our fastest airplanes. They they use titanium in jet engine blades because it can take very high temperatures and pressures and the velocity of of a, of a whirling jet engine, which is you know hundreds of thousands of times you know per minute. Because uh, those things are freewheeling and just off they go. That's what makes jets so powerful. I'll explain how a jet engine works sometime too. Uh, but anyway, so but dioxide is gas. So is this used to treat? The masks, this is what I want to find out. Is this like an antifungal thing? Are they using a carcinogen to stop a fungus from growing on the mask so they don't look green when you pull it out? Your blue, blue mask doesn't look green when you pull it out of the box. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering right now. Maybe That's my like, commentary. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Like if they like sanitize it somehow, like mm-hmm. before they package it or something, maybe they, mm-hmm. I don't know. This is just some random We're going to look up titanium dioxide. Do it, but... Yeah, whatever the article this one says about it, we're going to look it up. Uh, this is the fun of live radio. So this is we're we're freewheeling here completely spontaneously. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me what what, what else does it say? It says a meta analysis called for rethinking of nano TiO2 safety, citing numerous toxic toxic effects in human and aquatic animals. Mm-hmm. It says Do you know what nano means? take both a tiny, <laughs> really tiny. Nano, na, a nanometer is like a, a millionth of a, of a meter. It's, the, it's like we're talking electron microscope. We're talking incredibly small particles. They measure, I think, atoms and uh, molecules in terms of nanometers. So a nanoparticle is, is some, is, it's, on the, it's on the molecular or the atomic level. I think. Maybe those are even smaller. I'm not sure. And then look up nanometer. I think it's like a millionth or, or uh, something or some ridiculous number of a meter. It's very, it's, it's the smallest measurement I think we have. And they use them in electron microscopes. So maybe it's for cellular. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's not subatomic or atomic. It's actually one, cellular. We'll have to look it up. Go ahead. What does it say? You are way off. Oh, okay. It's one Correct billionth me. of a meter. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your correction. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. You're my, you're my backup. Okay. I mean, that's, that's how this works. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Interesting. So is it is it cellular or is it uh, atomic or molecular level? What does it explain that? Um, it's a unit of length in the international system of units. Okay, I'm just wondering what they measure. Well, let's see what the article says. We'll see if we can find out what they measure in nanometers. Because now I'm curious. Okay. Um, I don't think it's actually going to explain what nano is. Okay, we'll, we'll, get, we'll look but. it up after the article, but uh, but do continue. Let's just see what the article says. Everybody's uh, waiting with, says, with, with breathless anticipation. <laughs> Masks take both a physical and physiological toll. The journal Pediatrics highlighted the emotional burden felt by parents, clinicians, I don't know how to pronounce that word. Clinician? Yeah. And patients. Yeah, it might be how you say it. Okay. And patients due to wearing masks and pediatric cancer wards. YouTube has updated its policies about what constitutes misinformation and now allows you to and now allows you to say masks do not work. Really? Well, Isn't that big of them? If anybody wants to say that on <laughs> YouTube, yeah. Well, let's, let's make a video and say masks do not work. I've said, I've said that for two years. Um, I haven't said it on a YouTube video. I've been saying it on the show. But uh, that, I, I used to get, uh, well, I'm under such heavy censorship. 
that's the reason you don't have a million people, you know, knocking on your door going, Brianna, we want your autograph. You know, the reason is because we're so highly censored. <laughs> so a lot of the episodes we're making now are going to be world famous, you know, once we break uh, big tech. Uh, so that's, uh, so just, you know, think of this as, as like uh, an investment in the, in the future of, of, uh, of broadcasting that people go, oh, wow, you said that way back then? Yeah, we did. Yeah, back in 2020. I said vaccines aren't necessary. <laughs> that was it. That was all I needed to say. <laughs> March, March 2nd of 2020, I broadcast that vaccines aren't necessary. We have hydroxychloroquine. Actually, we said we have chloroquine. I didn't. I learned about hydroxychloroquine a couple weeks later. I said we got chloroquine. There's a study in, in uh, Marseille, France from Dr. Didier Raoult. Uh, said what we need is, is, tr- is treatments and cures. This thing's already here. It takes 10 years to produce a, a safe and effective vaccine. So don't do it. We got the cures. We got the treatments. Stop messing around with this vaccine nonsense. Get rid of that, that evil, you know, Dr. Fauci, who I started calling Dr. Fascist after a short time. And I said, this is all wrong. I said, everything we're doing is wrong. This, this makes no sense. And guess what happened? Boom. <laughs> Censorship. We're not going to let Action Radio tell the truth anymore. <laughs> anyway, back to your study. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me more about the masks. I think this I actually um, heard something mm-hmm. about an executive order about um, government controlling like every single thing that's like posted or, or said or anything is be monitored or something. I don't know. I haven't read the entire thing, so I don't know. But yeah. I, I will look into that. Okay. No, I think they have big tech do it. I think they do it for them. I think big tech regulates the speech for government. See, the government has a First Amendment, but the but big tech but they gave government the government gave big tech an exemption to First Amendment, something they were not legally allowed to do, but they did it anyway. And big tech is censoring with the permission of Congress through a law. But again, they are they're uh, completely abrogating the First Amendment. I'll explain that later too. Yeah, <laughs> I can let you get your article. <laughs> I've been, you know, oh yeah, go ahead. Just, just tell me to be quiet. Go ahead. Yes, right. <laughs> Face masks that were supposed to protect your health may turn out to be detrimental to it, as increasing evidence points to toxins within their fibers. Titanium hmm. dioxide is one such toxin that is particularly troubling in face masks because it is suspected human carcinogen when inhaled. Not only have adults been unwittingly exposed to this cancer-causing substance due to widespread mask mandates, but in place during the pandemic, but so too have children whose bodies are especially vulnerable to toxic influences. Coupled with evidence suggesting the mask mandates and use did not lower the spread of COVID-19, forced mask mandates become all the more atrocious. Group 2B carcinogen detected in masks. Oh, that's just a little statement. Okay. The International Agency for Research on Cancer classifies titanium dioxide as a group 2B carcinogen, which means it's possibly carcinogenic to humans by inhalation. Prior to the pandemic, this occurred primarily in occupational settings during the production of titanium dioxide powders or in the manufacture of products containing the substance. There has also been some concern on spray-on sunscreens, hair color sprays, cosmetic powders containing microscopic particles of titanium dioxide that, dioxide that could be inhaled. Specifically, hmm. the state of Kami, California, includes titanium dioxide in the form of airborne particles measuring 10 micrometers or less on its Proposition 65 list, stating titanium dioxide, airborne unbound particles of respirable size, is on Proposition 65 list because it can cause cancer. Exposure to titanium dioxide may increase the risk of cancer. Would you like me to hmm. join? 
Well, it's up to you. Do you want to comment on any part of that? You can stop at any time and, and, and give me your analysis. Tell me what you think. Or you can keep going. Um, oh, here's something on the nanotechnology. Mm. It says nanoparticle technology is also being used in face masks. And nanofibers containing titanium dioxide have been used to make antimicrobial filters, often in combination with silver and graphene, while titanium dioxide non nanoparticle coatings may also be applied to cotton fabric to enhance antibacterial properties. You're right. Uh huh. I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell me where I was right. <laughs> I, was just, I was just writing something down. About them using the titanium dioxide. This is while titanium dioxide non nanoparticle coatings may also be applied to cotton fabric to enhance mm-hmm. antibacterial properties. You know, like right. I said antifungal. Because you said it's, it's it same idea. Yeah. Interesting. Well, why else would you use a gas? Okay, so so basic chemistry. Uh, if you haven't had this in in uh, chemistry, I'm, I'm sure you will. Chemistry is great to study. I mean, I use basic chemistry on the show here all the time. So dioxide means two oxygen atoms you know, attached to titanium, which is a metal. So how are you going to get a metal to, um, you know, to be a, in, a, in, a, in a form that can be sprayed on? Well, you, you make it, a, you bond it with oxygen, it becomes a gas. Uh, it's like sulfur dioxide, sulfur is a mineral. Uh, you get sulfur dioxide, which comes out of types of cars, combines with um, uh, air and forms, uh, or, and hydrogen, H2O, and SO2 becomes H2SO4. That's sulfuric acid. That's what acid rain was based on. Um, I have a, problem you're not you're going to laugh at this but my chair um the the uh the air cylinder in my chair has 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 decided it's not working anymore and i'm gradually sinking where the microphone is now at my nose and i'm sinking and i'm sinking and i'm sinking and this is not a good situation so i might have to take a break and get a couple of very large books uh as this uh this is going to be a constant problem now i got this is one of those dilemmas i got to figure out is what to do with chairs let me boost it back up oh hang on there it goes what to do with chairs that uh, don't function anymore. So we don't have to worry about that. All right. So the question is, do they say where these uh, masks come from? Are they from China? Um, I don't know. It says 12 different ones. I'm going to see if they list it. Okay. I'll see if I can keep my chair from sinking. If I sound funny, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going on here. A little technical difficulties with my chair. She's reading. In the meantime, yes. Let me tell you. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. No, it's just a. So and so, there's another radio trick for you. So what you want to do is when you're reading, you know, keep commenting. It's it's a skill. Uh, of course, you might say something really embarrassing, but it's, you know, it's, it's too late because everything's podcast. But uh, you want to try and do that. Is if you're reading, say, look, I'm reading. I'm looking for this da 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 while you're reading. So the ability to read and talk at the same time. Uh, is going to be really useful uh, as you go through this. Prop 65, for those that don't know, let me announce that. I was in California when that went through. Uh, this was a, a feel-good, everything causes cancer bill, and it was a ballot initiative. People actually voted for it. Uh, and it said that pretty much everything that causes cancer and however minute the particles, uh, there had to be a warning label. So every, every fuel pump in California has a warning label. You know, uh, of course, we know gasoline causes cancer. Uh, but uh, they still have a warning label. You know, pregnant women shouldn't pump gas and uh, all this other kind of stuff. You shouldn't do this, this, and this because, you know, there are, there are substances in this gasoline known to cause cancer. Yeah, benzene, <laughs> tricolethylene, all the other things that are in it. Um, so they used to have something called MBTE, methyl tertiary butyl ethylene. I don't know why, why I remember that, but I do. 
And so, uh, but everything, I mean, baby food, <laughs> like cancer warning labels. Stupid things had cancer warning labels. Ridiculous stuff. Uh, but these masks, it's interesting that they're spraying them. So I bet you they're, they're from China. Because why else would you have to have something, have an antifungal, antibacterial for a long period of time if it wasn't sitting on a container ship coming from China to here? If it was produced here, it could be in the stores like in a day or two anywhere in the country by truck. So that's, that's why I think these are Chinese masks. Besides the fact that Chinese don't care if they put carcinogens uh, on a mask, right? Make sense? Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear like the first part of what you were saying. I was reading, but I know mm-hmm. that um, the tests, I don't know if you said this, but the tests, you know, that they stick up your nose. Mm-hmm. Um, I know don't get those that, by the way. were from China. Yeah, don't yeah. get that, by the way. I know yeah, those just... are from China because the way that they sanitize them is actually illegal in the United oh. States. Oh. It's dangerous. Um, hmm. and now this comes out? <laughs> when when did you find this out? I mean, how many millions of people were tested? How many millions of times? I think, how many... the first, I think this was out in the first year. Huh. Like 2020, I think. Well, ever since I saw my first video of somebody being early tested. in 2021. Huh, okay. But ever since I saw that first test where somebody put a, a, a swab up somebody's nose so far, it was, it was you know, inside their, their cerebellum. I thought, this is ridiculous. That's not how you test. You need to go, you know, if it's an actual nose test, what, maybe half an inch should do it as long as it's in your nose. I mean, these things were going way up in your sinus cavity and they were causing, you know, people got brain injuries, these things. You know, there were serious complications. That's not a test. You know, and besides any test that's worth anything, a saliva test would be better. It's actual body fluid. You know, why, why do you go to somebody's nose? You know, that, that makes no sense. It never made any sense to me. And then I found out that the, the PCR test doesn't test for, you know, all kinds of flu bugs and other things. They used to do cultures. This is something we learned from our, our world's greatest doctors panel, um, which I'm going to put all those episodes together. But we talked about the PCR test and the inventor said, this is never supposed to be a test for viruses. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different kind of, uh, uh, I forgot what exactly what it's supposed to be for. But uh, they used to do cultures. In other words, they would swab your nose or your throat or something like that. And then they'd swab that onto a Petri dish. And whatever grew, that's what you had. You know, and so they were testing for everything. Back when they used to test with cultures like strep throat and things like that. But they don't do that now. They just do these specific tests. But the tests are limited in what they look for. And they cycle the test so many times to, to um, uh, I guess, uh, what do they call it? Um, expand on the result or amp- amplify. There we go. Amplify the result of the test. They're cycling these things so many times. They're finding COVID in you know, tap water. <laughs> you, know, you can find COVID on a grapefruit. You can find COVID on a counter shelf. You can find COVID everywhere because COVID is everywhere. You know, it's, a, it's a virus that's everywhere. And so these PCR tests were, were tested. Everybody was, was coming up with false positives because the test was so ultra-sensitive, compounded, amplified so many times that everybody almost had COVID. They had like 90% false positive rate or something ridiculously large. And they were, they were terrible infecting people. Now, some folks believe that there actually was you know, a, a vaccine in, in put on these things. I don't believe that. I don't think that was the case. Um, because the vaccine would have degraded so much, you know, that it wouldn't be effective. And it, it wouldn't get in your bloodstream, so it wouldn't work unless they pushed it into your brain. Um, so, but uh, the whole swab test was, was just, a, just a huge boondoggle. Remember when everything was, was COVID? You know, some guy dies in a motorcycle accident. In, in Florida, this happened. And said, yep, COVID death. <laughs> well, because he, he tested positive for COVID. Yeah, my so dad they, found one. Yeah. Go ahead. Where this guy was shot nine times, and they ruled his death as like COVID. COVID? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so what was the, the, the nine uh, fatal shots? Was that incidental? <laughs> was that a contributing factor? <laughs> yeah, those are just side effects, you know. Side effects. Got it. Mm, <laughs> interesting. You mentioned something 
you mentioned something that I don't know if the article picked up on it. You mentioned graphene. Did that say graphene oxide by chance? Because we did a whole show on this substance, and I have to go back and check. Um, but graphene oxide is amazingly graphene, toxic. But I yeah. scrolled way down. So I did find this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to read it. It's by Dr. Zacharias Fogan, I think. I don't know. The O has two dots over it, so I don't know how to pronounce that very well. Have you heard of him? That's a German. Yeah, that's yeah. an umlaut. So if you want to say, what's his name, Borgen? Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. So this is a German. German the punctuation mark, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you had to have fun with it. Well, I have fun with everything. So he conducted a study to find out whether mandatory mask used mandatory mask use influenced mm-hmm. the COVID nineteen case fatality rate in Kansas from August first to October fifteenth of twenty twenty. He chose huh. the state of Kansas because while it issued a mask mandate, counties were allowed to either opt in or out opt opt in or out of it. Mm-hmm. His analysis revealed that counties with a mask mandate had significantly higher case fatality rates than, con- than counties without a mask mandate. These findings mm-hmm. suggest that mask use might pose a yet unknown threat to the user instead of protecting them, making mask mandates a debatable epidemi- epidemiologic intervention, he concluded. That threat, he explained, may be something called the Fogen effect, F-O-E-G-E-N. Not the idea that. that deep reinhalation of droplets and virions cause, caught on face masks might make COVID-19 infection more likely or severe. Fogian explained that wearing masks could end up increasing your overall viral load because instead of inhaling virions from your respiratory tract and ridding your body of them, those virions are caught in the mask and returned. This might also have the effect of increasing the number of virions that pass through the mask, such that it became more than the number that would have been shed without a mask. The fundamentals of this effect are easily demonstrated when wearing a face mask and glasses at the same time by pulling the upper edge of the mask over the lower edge of the glasses. Droplets appear on the mask when breathing out and disappear when breathing in. In the Fogan effect, the virions spread because of their smaller size deeper into the respiratory tract. They bypass the bronchi and are inhaled deep in the alveoli, where they can cause pneumonia instead of bronchitis, which would be typical of a virus infection. Furthermore, these virions bypass the multilayer squamous epithelial wall that they cannot pass into in vitro and most in vivo. Therefore, the only probable way for virions to enter the blood vessels is through the alveoli. I hope you guys understood that last paragraph. No, let's stop right there. Okay, so here's here's another here's another tip for you too. When you get something you don't understand, say so. And uh, I do this all the time. And so don't be afraid to admit that you don't know something. And so I had uh, I I know some of that, but that's something we should do more research on. So this is when it gets too technical like that. I usually hold up and say, Oh, wait a minute. Well, and now and now bronchi are part of your lungs. The the alveoli are an inside part of your lungs. The lung is like the the air blood transfer point. So what, the, so what your lungs do is they breathe in air, which is 72% nitrogen, 22% oxygen, and 1% or 2% everything else. My math isn't that good. Um, but that's, that's how it goes. And, and, then, uh, and then what your lungs do is breathe out carbon dioxide. But in, that, in the lungs, the, the, the uh, very tiny, 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 this is why smokers have such a problem, because they lose their alveoli and then their bronchi. They lose the, the cells that absorb oxygen. And this is what gradually suffocates smokers over you know, 30, 40, 50 years, whatever. And cancers and emphysema and things develop. 
But at that point, you want to have nice, healthy pink lungs. Uh, one of the scariest things I ever saw in the oh, let me, here's a word for me Smithsonian stupid name for a museum to call Smith's Museum, but they didn't anyway. Smithsonian uh, they had a, they had a smoker's lung and they had a, uh, a healthy lung of, of someone that uh, uh, died, and uh, the healthy lung was pink and looked good and. You know, you could tell what that would inflate like a like an airbag, and uh, which it is. And then the smoker's lung was all black. It was disgusting. It was really horrible. And one look at that, and, and like you know, all my peers are like, ah, I'm not smoking. Nope, that convinced me. But uh, all those little tiny particles that absorb the air and allow the air, allow the oxygen into your body. That's how it works. And those things are critical. And so if we have these titanium oxides and graphene oxides and all these noxious chemicals in there, they're destroying your ability of, the, of your lungs to breathe in air and transfer oxygen into your bloodstream. Of course, that's what powers your body is the oxygen, you know, and um, it, it's interesting. We did a study. We talked about this on the show a while back, too, that oil, uh, coal, natural gas, those are hydrocarbons, right? Hydrogen and carbon, you know, make uh, make our organic fuels. They combine in an internal combustion engine with oxygen from the air. And that's what allows the, the fuel to be burned in your cylinders, which makes the car go. That's how an internal combustion engine works, right? Well, carbohydrates... <laughs> you know, are hydrocarbons with the oxygen already added in, and that's what makes your body go. So it's very, it's fascinating. You want to do a fascinating study sometime for science? Relate the internal combustion engine to the engine of your own body. That's how it burns fuel. They're almost identical. How's that for a thought? Yeah. Um, definitely <laughs> a big thought. Yeah. So, so make a great paper sometime. Anyway, but, um, the, the, let's leave this article. It's getting too tentacles. It's, this is where they get into doctor territory. Uh, and so I think the point yeah. is made that there's, there's, there's noxious. There's, now, why, of course, the, the bigger question is why are there carcinogens on these things at all? How were they allowed into the United States? Well, I can tell you. Well, you can tell me. Go ahead. You tell me. Why were these allowed in the United States? Um, you know, it might be because they don't actually care about the health of people and might well, that's, just that's want to make money. <laughs> that's a good <given. laughs> But the real reason is 15198 Federal Register slash volume 85, comma, number 52 slash Tuesday, March 17, 2020. Notices, Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Secretary, declaration under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, the PREP Act, for medical countermeasures against COVID-19 Act. Notice of declaration. This declaration by the Secretary of Health and Human Services to grant liability immunity to manufacturers, distributors, program planners, and qualified persons and their officials, agents, and employees, and the United States is hereby – oh, this is where I repealed it. <laughs> anyway, but this is, this is the thing. It was the declaration of emergency. That's the COVID declaration. Here's the citation, 15198, Federal Register. Well, in fact, let me uh, – I'm going to send this to you. I'm going to email this, and you can look it up. Let's, do, let's have you do some instant detective work here. But the declaration of emergency is how all these masks were let in. Because they didn't care. Because in an emergency, there's no liability. Interesting, huh? Have you ever read the Federal Register? Um, probably, but not this. But okay, know, check your email. Honestly, Ch- check your email. Okay. All right, and if you check your email, you will find the Federal Register citation for the declaration of emergency that caused all the COVID problems. Put that in a window. Punch it up. It should be at the top left corner. In fact, I'll do the same. This is fun. This is like going to school. <laughs> I'm really enjoying the show today. We don't get a chance to do this that often, so let me read from the same thing. 
Let me know when you're ready. And yep, I got mine. So just put that. Uh, take it. Just make a copy. Just copy it exactly as I sent it to you. Put it in its own browser window, and punch it up, and it'll get you right to uh, the, Dex- the Department of Health and Human Services. Start again, Greg. See, I do it too. Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Secretary, Declaration under the Public Readiness and Emergency, the PREP Act. Notice of declaration. You got it? Um, give me just a minute. Okay. I can take another break and play some stuff. Let me do that. Let me, let me give you a chance to punch that up. And then we still haven't covered your essay yet. See how this is going this morning? This is fun. <laughs> All right. So meet yourself. We'll be right back. Let me just uh, play. Let me play this first, then we'll get to another announcement and be right back. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Yeah, that's how it goes here. (laughs) 
<laughs> I make these wonderful little uh, little things. Uh, Brianna, I got to make you uh, or, or have you do a promo at some point, and so we'll get your voice. We'll get some music behind it. We'll make it real professional sounding. Uh, maybe for your, even your own report at some point. But uh, I still have to make you a theme. I just ugh, I'm sorry. Anyway, did you pull up the Federal Register? Do you have the declaration of emergency in front of you? Yes. Good. Why don't you uh, Why don't you read it and uh, tell me when uh, when you see something wrong? <laughs> you see something that, that goes against freedom. It won't take long. <laughs> um, um, you know, the six pages? No, 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 just the first. Just start with says Department of Health and Human Services. Right at the very top of, the, of page 15198, uh, the, the first part where it says Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Secretary. Okay. Department of Health and Human Services, Office of the Secretary. Declaration under the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act for Medical countermeasures against COVID-19. Action notice of declaration. Notice of declaration. Mm It's like recognizing it. No, it's Federal Register. This is where they publish regulations and things. In fact, uh, the way it works is they publish an agency publishes a regulation and if Congress doesn't object, it becomes law. Is that constitutional? No. I don't think so. No, it's not. No, it's not constitutional because all laws have to come from the legislature. Now, I may have made a mistake in saying that there's no legislative backing for this. Uh, I have to check the PrEP Act. If the PrEP Act authorized the declaration, then this is this is legal then. But uh, it's a declaration under the public readiness. And I'm wondering, but they don't cite a provision as to what section of law it does. So I, I still think that this was just done on their own. I don't think there's a, a legal basis for this because they should have cited, you know, section and title and section under or section and subsection under which authority this declaration comes under. I'm just saying the PREP Act seems kind of sketchy. We have to do some more research. Anyway, so just I think uh, the next part, summary and dates, uh, is probably the most important part of this. Let's get the summary. That's the real key to this whole okay. thing. The Secretary is issuing the declaration pursuant to Section 319S3 of the Public Health Service Act to provide liability immunity for activities related to medical countermeasures against COVID-19. Stop right there. Stop uh-huh. right there. What's uh, does that include? Includes what now? Um, death. That's what I said. Death. What, what did that? In what way? Oh, liability immunities from death? Absolutely. Oh. I mean, not that it's right. It's, that's what it says. Well, it says provide liability immunity for activities related to the medical countermeasures against COVID-19. So, there, so the whole purpose of this act is to provide liability immunity. We thought it was to solve the crisis, right? No. It says right here. The secretary is issuing this declaration. Pursu- now, here's the other problem. Section 319F-3 you know, of the Public Health Service Act. Well, wait a minute. Didn't they just say this comes under the PREP Act, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act? So they're, they're declaring it under one act, and they're citing another act for their authority. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> Unless 319F-3 of the Public Health Services Act is the PREP Act. That's possible, too. But the point is, the, the, the point I was trying to get to is that it says here that uh, to provide liability immunity for activities related to medical countermeasures against COVID-19, which means this act declares an, in declaring an emergency, they're saying that anybody that, act, that acts any kind of countermeasure has no liability. 
Now, is that government or private? Govern, government. Right, because I don't think that's what, what well, this is, and like I said, my questions don't always uh, always have simple answers. But my, and I'm I'm looking up too, public service section three nineteen f. Uh, nothing really comes up, so I might have to uh, I might have to pursue this another time. But my my point uh, of this, well, let's go back to there. Point of this was that uh, it's just it's just, it's simply a, a, a liability immunity act. So in other words, the, the federal government, the uh, the public health people in the federal government, the CDC, big pharma, anybody that they deem under these countermeasures is okay. They're, there's no liability for them, which means they can kill people and they're not responsible. <laughs> the, you know, remdesivir de- ventilator death march, as I call it. I mean, that's kind of a exactly a what say. happened. Exactly. Okay. So what about hydroxychloroquine? Wasn't that covered under this? I mean, that saved people's lives. That saved countless lives. So did ivermectin. Mm-hmm. So did vitamin D3, C, and uh, uh, zithromycin, the, the Zelenko uh, protocol. Were they covered under this? Um, I haven't read it. So, But on the summary it's of not it, in you here. Well, there's more to the declaration. We, and we, I don't want to go into it right now. There's a whole bunch of stuff here uh, listed. But uh, as I remember, the um, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, things like that, were specifically banned and exempt from the declaration of emergency. They were, uh, in fact, they were deemed to, they, they were not qualified. They did not get uh, the emergency use authorization. Remdesivir did. All the other COVID things did. The vaccine did, even though it's not a vaccine. So all the things the government wanted that were harmful and fatal uh, were exempt from liability, and all the things that would have worked, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, all the things we know to be treatments and cures, were purposely banned from getting uh, the emergency use authorization. Tell me that isn't screwed up. Well, Greg, don't you know that if they allow the things that actually save lives, it will actually save lives and not kill off half the population? I mean, come on, this is a big problem for them. You're so brilliant. Uh, I had to give you a round of applause for that. That was really good. Hang on. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I want you to, to increase your, your, the development of your sarcasm. It's very good. <laughs> Let's keep going with that. Um, this is Thank fun. Thank you. Yeah. You're, you're very welcome. No, absolutely. It's, uh, it's absolutely true that, uh, yeah. So th- was there more to this article you found or, or we still haven't gotten to your essay have we Let's yes that. it's a very lengthy article i could probably send it to you and you can no i think i've heard enough it on <laughs> once you start getting okay. the nanos and bios and alveoli bronchi stomata transfers it kind of it kind of loses me too i've got a very short attention yeah. span as you've probably guessed by now <laughs> okay so tell me about your essay so now I'll let's get into my it, but... short essay Mm-hmm. Oh, you say what? No, I, I just said let, let, let's get to it. You know, we've been, we've been trying, we've sort of hinting it for about forty minutes now. <laughs> it's gonna take a lot less time to read it than it was to talk about it, which is kind of funny. But this radio, we're that's trying okay, to entice people, you know. <laughs> exactly. I think it's called a teaser. You know, they'll do that. You know, it's like whenever if you ever watch Sean Hannity, this is why I stopped watching Sean Hannity. He'll say President Trump coming on in just a few minutes, and like five minutes before the show ends, you know, fifty-five minutes later, Trump comes on for five minutes. Right? That's a teaser, but he's terrible at it. He'll, he'll do this, this. He'll lie to you. You know, uh, mine, today we we're completely unintentional. I really didn't want to hear your essay 40 minutes ago. We just got kind of sidetracked with it. So I think that hopefully that'll excuse us. Anyway, back to you. Okay. 
Um, it's over constitutional powers. Mm-hmm. The powers of the state and federal governments have been a controversial topic throughout history. In 1787, the Founding Fathers wrote the United States Constitution, leading to ratification debates on power delegation. The same ideas from these debates continue to arise, even though the decision was made over 230 years ago. Since ratification, the federal government has infringed its constitutional bounds, endangering the foundational American rights and liberties of the states and we the people. The Federalists and the Anti-Federalists held different beliefs about the final ratified product of the United States Constitution, but they knew one was necessary. The purpose of the Constitutional Convention was to create a more perfect union from the preamble after realizing how weak the central government was. This was concluded after Shays Rebellion took place under the previous Articles of Confederation, providing an obvious reason to create something better. Shays' Rebellion was a citizen uprising against the courts and government of Massachusetts in response to high taxes and a debt crisis from the Revolutionary War. It was named after one of the leaders, Revolutionary War Captain Daniel Shay. The overwhelming issue the Founding Fathers wanted to solve from this was the central government's lack of currency ability to help the states. The Federalists believed their goal had been achieved with a strong central government and weaker state governments. They believed it would make the United States strong enough to compete on the world stage, along with leaving some of the Constitution open for interpretation. And um, out of context for this, uh, those statements are from Alexander Hamilton, Federal Papers 23 and 78. Hmm. The Constitution intended to turn national weakness into uniting the states for a stronger country while retaining the rights and freedoms of the people. The Anti-Federalists had a different outlook on making the Constitution a strong and stable foundation to protect the rights of the American people. The Anti-Federalists believe the Constitution currently gave too much power and interpretation to the central government, threatening individual liberties. This is from Patrick Henry. Mm-hmm. To solve these problems and still ratify the Constitution, the Founding Fathers added the Bill of Rights, which includes the first ten amendments of the United States Constitution to ensure the protection of necessary liberties from the government. Since the ratification, the federal government has transgressed the Constitution. Um, Federalist ideas of interpretation were reintroduced in 1803 and went against the implemented Constitution. This was through judicial review, which was illegally established after Marbury versus Madison, according to the Ninth Amendment in the Bill of Rights. The Ninth Amendment describes enumerated rights, and the term shall not be construed. Construed is also translated as interpreted. Judicial review is completely based on interpretation and who has what powers over what rights. It is critical for Congress to stay within the bounds of the Constitution to protect the people from complete government control, even with this transgression. The issue is that judicial review implements interpretation, which is repulsed by the Constitution. It is a clear contradiction. The inherent solution to this power of the the inherent solution to this is the power of the people and the American government. The Constitution is available for everyone to learn what it is and is not legal. In this, it is the duty of any and all individuals to make it known the Constitution is being ignored. When any officials start doing so, there are repercussions and solutions at every level of government involvement. This ranges from a small fine to criminal imprisonment and removal from office at state and federal level. The federal government has taken these federalist transgressions of the Constitution even further by infringing on states' rights to marriage. The Supreme Court decided it unconstitutional to ban same-sex marriage in state courts and that it must be recognized in every state. This is from the case of Obergefell versus Hodges, in which the Supreme Court used the 14th Amendment making the case about equal rights provided by the government. They decided marriage was a right granted and protected by the Constitution to be enforced by the federal government. 
The 14th Amendment states all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. No state shall make or enforce any laws which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. The 14th Amendment covers citizenship, the protection of unalienable rights, and the protection of laws in each state. <clears throat> Marriage is not a protected right, nor is it outlined in the Constitution. This power is left to, for the states to decide through the 10th Amendment, stating the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states or reserved to the states or to the people. This also contrasts with the constitutional ideas of freedom, freedom from government, not provided by the government. Marriage also requires a state license, as it is done by the state. The powers held by the federal government include taxes, coining money, regulating commerce, citizenship, post office, fe post office federal courts, the military, and declaring war. The Founding Fathers stressed the importance of having a separation of powers through federalism to protect individual liberties. They created a system of checks and balances to ensure these principles with, li with limited government. Since ratification, the federal government has infringed its constitutional bounds endangering the foundation of American rights and liberties of the states and the people. The federal government started with the idea of interpreting the Constitution, allowing a wider reach into states' rights. This assimilates the original federalist ideas that now contradict the Bill of Rights. This change is seen in Marbury v. Madison and has extended its repercussions to Obergefell v. Hodges. Give them an inch and they will soon take a mile. This shows the danger of federal government taking more power than it is given with manipulation through interpretation. And then big, long bibliography. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, that's amazing. It, it, I, I think almost you, you've covered too many topics um, because there's so much in there that's, that's rich and wonderful. And of course, I agree with you completely. Um, so I th so I, obviously, I think you're absolutely right on. Um, I'm going to send you something right now that uh, let's, let's follow up. Before, before I tell you what I think of your essay, which I do think is brilliant, um, I want you to get this bill and read it cold and see what you think in terms of what you just talked about, especially judicial review and interpreting the Constitution and the Supreme Court, you know, usurping and assuming uh, a power that doesn't exist in the Constitution. Have you got our bill on uh, abolishing judicial review? Check your email. Okay. Hold on, I got to go stop my dog real fast. Okay, I'll wait. I'll be right back. <laughs> no problem. We'll be right here. <laughs> this is so much fun. Um, so there's, this, for those that are, are, are joining us, Brianna Cannon. Uh, is our government inquiry reporter and came to the show, I guess, maybe three months, two or three months ago now, and has just uh, proven over and over again that she's absolutely brilliant. And it's really a pleasure to have her on the show here. So what we do is this government inquiry report. Now, by fate of the fact that uh, some reporters have had other things happen in their lives, got busy and moved on. Uh, and today, Josie, who's normally with us, uh, is not with us this week. She'll be back next week. We've got all this extra time. And so uh, I'm exploring this because... I, you know, this is a chance, I think, to, to uh, have someone, you know, on the show who is brilliant and uh, who can uh, hopefully inspire a lot of other folks, you know, in her age group and, and peers that, uh, you know, there is hope beyond government school, that there is knowledge that you don't know. There are things that you, that you assume that aren't true. And if you look at it logically, rationally, uh, and put things through the logic and reason filter, 
you know, you can find out amazing amounts of things. So this is why I like exploring these issues in great detail. Um, but this is unrehearsed. We are completely spontaneous today. In fact, I haven't even gotten to Brianna's topics, and it's 820. <laughs> you know, so we're almost halfway through the show, uh, which is fascinating. Brianna, are you back? Is the dog okay? Everything's fine? Yep, we're still waiting. Okay. Um, so let me, what can yes, I play for you? sorry. Back? I was still oh, muted. Don't be sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> don't, don't apologize. Let me play you a little, uh, another intro here. Action Radio. Dangerously cool. Speaking of dangerously cool, Brianna Cannon, welcome back. Hello. Again. <laughs> So, do you have the bill? Yes, I have just pulled it up. Okay, good. Start reading cold, which is always a great thing on radio. Uh, and if you stumble, start over. And if you talk too fast like I do, just say, you know, Brianna, start over. You'll hear me say, Greg, slow down. I do that to myself purposely because I, I talk <laughs> really fast. So I'm just curious what you think. So just having just read your essay and you've outlined the problem perfectly, but now here is my solution. And this may need some rewriting in places. You can let me know what you think. But uh, go for it. Just kind of read it and stop. As soon as you want to make a comment, uh, let me know what you think. Go for it. Abolish the usurped power of judicial review. Sponsor legislation to remove the power and practice of judicial review to bring the federal judiciary back into constitutional compliance with Article 3. Impeach and remove all judges and justices who have practiced judicial review and place juries back at the head of any constitutional challenge. Put legislatures back in charge of reviewing jury nullified law for possible rewrite or repeal. Empower and educate the citizenry that the Constitution is easily read and understood and doesn't need to be examined by lawyers or interpreted or changed by judges or justices. Actually, it was explained. <laughs> it was the same thing, yeah. And read the, read the, read the, the headings, yeah. too, because that way people will understand what they're doing, because they're hearing it for the first time. Oh, that was the introduction. And then judicial review. The power to interpret the Constitution was specifically left out of the Constitution because the states who ratified the Constitution would never give over to... The, would never give over to judges and justices the power to overrule the state legislatures, courts, and executives by interpreting and therefore controlling the Constitution and all the issues surrounding it. Judicial review makes a dangerous extension from interpretation to reparation. If the courts control interpretations, why shouldn't they also control the remedies? It is that logic by which the federal judiciary has further usurped and granted to themselves more power than they can have if we are to remain a republic. This artificially created remedy power is expressed in injunctions where some tiny district judge stops a law, regulation, or policy of the entire executive and and the president or issues orders like requiring a president to maintain the unconstitutional powers of a previous president, as in DACA, or they rewrite national policies like Roe v. Wade, which are pure legislation. No government entity can give themselves power. No power not specifically delegated to the federal government by the states through the Constitution exists. Therefore, judicial review does not exist. All such federal court and judicial actions based on judicial review are now moot, as the authority to make them never existed. I'll stop right there. Most people have no idea what judicial review is. They think that the uh, Supreme Court interprets the Constitution because the Supreme Court has said the Supreme Court interprets the Constitution, even though there is no interpretations clause in the Constitution. 
So what do you think so far? What's, uh, how does this strike you? Um, there's some things that I don't completely understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the parts that I do understand, I agree with. And it's completely okay. accurate. Do you have a thank you? Do you have a question? And you can feel free to propose a rewrite if something isn't clear, and I can make it better. This is this is how we do legislation on Action Radio. It's all open. It's all out. Anybody's writing is subject to uh, you know comment, uh, critique, suggestion, ideas from anybody else to make it better. This is like a committee, and this is how a committee works. So we are a committee. Of, we are the judicial committee of Action Radio right now, reviewing the bill to abolish judicial review. Uh, so anything stick out that you, so, that you have a question on? Yeah, go ahead. In impeaching and removing the judges and justices, mm-hmm. um, how would, or I guess who would decide who all the new judges would be? It'd be the legislature. That's a good point. Maybe I should put that in there because uh, of the power of impeachment. So you know that uh, judges are in for good behavior, right? They're not in for life? Yes. So maybe I should put that in there. Well, let me see. Where do you see that? Information It's in the introduction. Okay, so let me scroll back up here. Uh, so legislation, remove the power of practice of judicial review. Yeah, we can do that. Impeach or remove all judges and justices who have practiced judicial review. Um, yeah, so that, I don't, all right, so let me just put intro. I'll make a little note to myself here on the bill. Uh, judicial review. That's a good point as to how did they get removed? Well, do you know how, they, do you know how judges get removed? Um. No, I don't. I mean, okay. I, I can give you like what I think it is, but no, I don't. Okay, know. go for it. What do you What do you think it is, and then I'll uh, I'll try and explain as best I know, because it happens so infrequently, it's it's hard to know. I would assume that it's kind of like an impeachment process by the legislature. It's exactly what it is. It's an impeachment, right? So oh, what's an impeachment? Well. <laughs> so an impeachment mm-hmm. is like like. I was right. You were no, you're absolutely right. So don't be, you know, go for it. I mean, if you're wrong, who cares? <laughs> it's a, that, that's uh, you know, the things I've discovered from being wrong are far more interesting than the things I've discovered from being right. So just feel free, be be brave, be bold. So it's an impeachment. Impeachment is what what's, what makes an impeachment different from an indictment? I don't know what an indictment is actually. So an indictment is when you are you are uh, pressed with a crime. In other words, you're indicted for a crime. You've been through a grand jury. And they said, yep, you're, in de- you're indicted. You're going to trial. Uh, Jonathan Mosley can better explain this. So if you want to call in on a Monday uh, and talk to him, he's on at uh, 8 a.m. Central, uh, 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern time. And the rest of you folks can figure it out because you're not awake yet on the West Coast. <laughs> you're on the podcast. Um, but that's, that's an indictment. Now, an impeachment is how you remove a government official. So I thought it only applied to a president. I was wrong on that. But apparently anybody can be impeached. And so a judge can be impeached or removed. Say a judge commits a crime. So, so a judge shoplifts. All right? So now they're, they're outside the law. Uh, they would get, they'd probably be arrested for shoplifting. And then the legislature would be either if it's a state judge, it would be the state legislature. Or a federal judge, it would be the Congress, would say, yep, you're going to be impeached. You're going to be you know, removed. That's usually how judges are removed. But the standard of, of good behavior, what constitutes good behavior? You know, it has been the question, and they've never taken it up because they're under this BS logic that somehow judges are there for lifetime appointments. Some will say, well, unless they're you know, removed for bad behavior, but nobody describes bad behavior. So let me ask you, what, do you, what would constitute bad behavior to you based on your essay? I mean, you just stated what it, you know, what it is, but let's, let's get you to summarize. What is bad behavior? What would cause a judge to be removed, do you think? 
I think bad behavior is a little bit more than just, you know, transgression and constitution because, yes, if they, of course, break the law, which is the same as, you know, going against the constitution, transgressing it, then mm-hmm. that would constitute bad behavior. But also committing crimes, fraud, you know, um, being paid off to make judgments, just like anything that's wrong or, you know, bad behavior. And it's tricky because those those like morals can tell you what bad behavior is. The only problem is now there's too many people without any morals. So it's <laughs> almost like we have to spell out everything in legislature. Like these are everything that constitutes bad behavior, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you don't have to do that. In fact, this is why the Constitution is written in general language. So you have the right to keep and bear arms. They don't tell you, you know, what holster you need. They don't tell you where you can carry, where you can't. They don't tell you any of that stuff because the right is absolute. Uh, and so uh, it's up to the states because uh, federal government has no jurisdiction over, over firearms. Uh, otherwise, it would be in the Constitution. But it's up to the states to make laws to distinguish between what's legal and what's illegal by statute. But the statutes come under, they are subordinate to uh, the Ten Amendment. So that's how that works. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of thing. But uh, bad behavior. Uh, so I think you're on the right track. My, when I look at bad behavior, to me, it's, it's not complying with the Constitution. Because the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. So any judge that does not comply with the supreme law of the land in making their decisions or opinions is outside the Constitution, and that constitutes me bad behavior. So to me, Roe v. Wade is bad behavior. That would be an abrogation of their duty to, to stick with the Constitution, which, which has no jurisdiction over health whatsoever. It's actually a state power. They should never have taken the case. It should have gone to the state courts. You know, Roe v. Wade should have been decided. Yeah. If they did take the case, it was limited to Roe and Wade. Because the Supreme Court is limited to the case. They have no jurisdiction outside the case. That's up to the Congress and up to the state legislatures. So if they find something illegal, say, well, this violates, you know, if they have a, uh, they have a um, I don't know, Alabama case. And then the, something that violates the law makes it all right up to the Supreme Court because it's a violation of, of, uh, of a federal uh, bill of rights. They can say, right, this is it. You screwed up. You know, you're, you're guilty. That's it. This, uh, we're, we're, striking, uh, or we're striking the action of Alabama or Wisconsin or whoever, whoever does something unconstitutional. But they can't, they can't proceed and give a remedy. See, Roe v. Wade is a remedy. It's a, it's a restitution. It's a, it's a, it's a legislative you know, solution to the problem. The Supreme Court can neither regulate nor legislate a solution. So an, an Oberfeld, gay marriage. You're absolutely right that, that uh, uh, marriage is not a right. Do you know why marriage is not a right? Just out of curiosity, what's, what's your reasoning? Because it's not listed anywhere that I know. This is, I have my, my uh, definition, but I'm curious yours. Why, why is marriage not a right? Um, I think I, so in the explanation thing, none of them would constitute like a, a legal basis for it. Mm-hmm. The only like, I guess, um, objective part about it would be that it's not actually, like you said, a written right, something that's, you know, automatically given, something that's enabled, something that's you know, necessary mm-hmm. to your life and, and your safety and everything. Um, I do think it's a very important foundation, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of importance to it, but in the aspect of, you know, laws and government decisions, um, and, like, the idea of, like, you know, not infringing on it and everything, I don't think they need to because it's not their power, but I don't think it's uh, a right because, you know, it's not listed anywhere ever. 
Okay. Well, the Ninth Amendment says that uh, rights not specifically mentioned in the Constitution, you know, cannot be denied or disparaged because they're not mentioned exactly. Let me let me pull up the exact language on that because the Ninth Amendment people tend to forget it. Uh, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. So, because it's not listed, doesn't mean it's not a right. Now, the question is, can the Supreme Court create rights themselves? Can they determine what a right is? No. No, because this is we people, right? We the people. Through our elected representatives, the states determine the rights for the, the Constitution because the states ratified the Constitution. Make sense? Yes. Okay, let me ask you a real – here's a real simple way uh, out, out of my is marriage a right question. Um, are, rights, are all rights individual by definition? Individual? Yes. And so when, when, it, um, when you have a right, is it an individual right or is it a group right? An individual right. Okay, now I understand what you're saying. <laughs> okay. No, that's why I say feel free to ask me. So if it's an individual right, is marriage exercised individually? Like a marriage, right? So if it takes two people to make a marriage, can marriage ever be an individual right? No. Okay. So what would we call that then? If two people you know, come together and, uh, and, and agree to something, that would be, if it's not a right, what, what are they exercising? I feel like it's going to be something really obvious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is this is like the lawyer side of me, even though I'm not a lawyer. This is what I would do in court. If I, if I had you on the witness stand, so this is what they're called leading questions. So in other words, I'm leading you to a predetermined conclusion, but I'm building the evidence for that conclusion through my questions. See how that works? You would make witness cry. <laughs> I hope not. I'm just a big fluffy teddy bear. I mean, you know, you know, it's, it's, you know just, just, it's just me. Um, so the <laughs> nice, she's totally throwing me off. So, so the answer that I think is that marriage is a contract. You know, willingly accepted on both sides. Yeah. So if it's a contract, can it be a right? Yeah. No, because you can't act to maintain the contract of marriage. There are restrictions. It's not an absolute thing. You know, infidelity, adultery, is a violation of the contract of marriage. You know, there's a whole bunch of things I'm not going to go into. But there's a lot of ways to violate the marriage contract. Skipping town, abandonment. <laughs> you know, there's, there's tons of things that violate your marriage contract. Right? So yeah. if it's a contract, it cannot be a right. So if it's not a right, it's a contract. Does the Supreme Court have jurisdiction to define what, uh, what a marriage is? No. Well, exactly. No. The Supreme no. Court doesn't. Nope. So is Oberfeld a valid decision? So what do we do about it? Oh, uh, we throw it out the window? Yeah, exactly. Now, how do we do that? How do we throw it out the window? Um, repeal. Repeal what? Right repeal the Supreme Court decision? Yeah. How do we do that? Um, what do you mean? I mean exactly what I say. This is this is a fabulous question for you because there is no answer that's that's constitutionally valid. This is why I wrote this bill. See see how we come back around the same thing. Now I didn't plan this, but uh, how do you repeal a Supreme Court decision or opinion? Oh, 
Now I get your question. Now I'm actually thinking about this. Mm-hmm. We got time. We got we got a lot more of this. I'm really glad you could stay this long it. today. It's uh, it's fabulous. So, so I want to thank you, folks, and anybody else that lets you stay on the air with me for like three hours, sometimes four hours. This is fabulous. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to go here within about ten minutes. That's fine. Probably. I've got uh, plenty of show, and I'm sure other but people want to call. Yeah, go ahead. I would. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Just you know, get rid of it, like some constitutional, so it just goes poof. I don't mm-hmm. know. I know there has mm. to be a process, and that can't actually happen. But mm. so I just the problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that, that's, that's a perfect answer. It makes sense because uh, I, the Congress can do it. Now, would this be grounds for removing justices for bad behavior, for creating a decision that is blatantly unconstitutional? Yes, um, I believe it would be. But okay. also, um, many of them might actually think that judicial review is like their job and that mm-hmm. – their whole idea is to make these decisions. And so it's kind of like a tricky ground. But um, technically, since it does go against the Constitution, mm-hmm. and that is something that they're supposed to uphold, it would still constitute bad behavior, even if they did it ignorantly. Yeah, I mean, negligence. Would they, would they say, you know, ignorance of the law is no excuse? You're still responsible for following it? Mm-hmm. So yes. would ignorance of the Constitution by the very people who are judged to, to serve under it, would that be grounds for bad behavior, considering that these learned people, they go through the finest law schools in the nation and, and practice as lawyers and then judges and then become – actually, the Supreme Court is called judge also. If you look at the Constitution, Article 3 does not say justice. It says judge. So, so these learned judges, you would think that they would understand that the power of the Constitution does not – extend to judicial review and yet and yet you look at the last three supreme court uh, uh confirmation hearings amy coney barrett uh frat boy kavanaugh neil gorsuch i call him frat boy um every one of them said judicial review is settled law how can it be settled law when it doesn't exist in the constitution yeah i know that's rhetorical but mm-hmm. No, it, exactly. It was a term. Well, I, I speak in legal terms. Even though I'm not a lawyer, I, should, I probably should have been. I couldn't afford the loans. <laughs> so I was like, no, that's not going to work. Take a look at the rest of this. Interpreting versus using the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, juries, uh, judicial review exclusions. And I think you'll find it quite fascinating. So in the remaining 10 minutes, what did you want to talk about today? <laughs> I think I've kind of monopolized our conversation again. Um, my discussion might not fit in for 10 minutes, but I was going to talk a little bit about, like, um, Executive powers. Okay. And electoral votes. But um, hmm. have you heard of Nebraska and Maine? I know they have a different system of electoral votes. Where's this? I don't know. What? What were we talking about now? Electoral votes. Right. And so heard I... that Nebraska and Maine do it differently than all the other states. Hmm. I was just interested. You know what that was about, what they did. Well, the states are free to elect their electors as they choose. Normally, states will use the popular vote uh, of their state. So whoever gets you know, the most uh, votes, assuming there isn't any fraud, 
the states will then give their electors, which is the sum total of their two senators plus their representatives. So uh, like the state of Wyoming has three electors. So they have two senators and they have one um, representative because the population is not that great. Same thing with Alaska. Um, bigger states like California have 55 electors because they have a whole bunch of people. In fact, they're, they're counting a bunch of people illegally. But even so, California would still have a whole bunch of electors because there's so many people living in California. So they have two senators plus all their representatives. I think there's, I don't know, there's probably, you know, 20, 25 of them that represent California. That's how you get to 55 electors uh, or something like that. 24, my math, again, you know, fails me. Um, so, but the states can determine that. Now, the states can, can take the popular election, throw it out. Legislatures can say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to send our electors to this candidate. They can do that. They can do proportional. They can do, they can do pretty much what they want. Um, so that's the, so, but the states choose the electors. Because the way I understand this works, the, uh, the people you know, vote directly for the members of the House you know, in their congressional district. Uh, the states vote for the Senate because the Senate was supposed to be a check on the House. The House a check on the Senate. The state's representation in Washington in the federal government was supposed to be the senators. They weren't supposed to represent the people. The, the representatives are already representing the people. So the states were supposed to represent the people. That was changed with the 17th Amendment, which they need to change back. The states collectively elect the president who's supposed to represent all the people and, or all the states and the, and the states to the world. So the president represents all the states of the world. The, the Senate represents the states within Congress and the House represents the people. That's how it's supposed to work. That's called federalism, separation of powers, separate jurisdictions, you know, checks and balances. That's what a federal system is as opposed to a national system, which is all top down. Federal government is supreme to the states, states supreme to the cities, cities supreme to the, 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 the rural or, you know, states supreme to the counties, counties supreme to the cities, cities supreme to the, the local unincorporated areas. That's a national system. That's a hierarchical system, which is where we started the show. Federalism is not hierarchical. It's separate. It's separate jurisdictions, so those jurisdictions are not supposed to cross. But that's where we have problems. So back to, so back to the electors. What, uh, what more what, what was your question on that? Because we have two sets of electors from some states. We have Brandon electors and we have Trump electors. Is that what you were getting to, or did you have something else in mind? No, um, I hadn't looked into it. I was just kind of interested because they said that um, – um, I actually don't remember where I heard it, but somebody was saying how they do it completely different mm-hmm. than all the other states. And so I was just wondering how they actually did their electoral votes. Well, they're allowed to. They're allowed to. Yeah. There was yeah. a compact. Do you yeah. remember the compact? I was just yeah. Well, because the Constitution, that's how. The Constitution says that the states can determine their electors, and I'm not sure. It's probably Article 1. I'd have to look up. I don't want to take your, your 10 minutes looking up things, I'm, you know, but if I find it quickly, yeah. um, because of the, the House, remember the House of Representatives, let me see presidential electors. Let's see if I can find it quickly here. The and times, places, have... and manner, oh, I found it. Uh, the times, places, and, man, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed. Okay, so where's the electors? Each House shall judge terms of qualifications of members. Where's the electors? It's in there somewhere. But but the, uh, the, the I think it's yeah but the 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 states determine their electors for president. It's probably it's probably actually, actually article yeah. two. Let's see if we can look up real quickly here. Live radio. I know it's live radio, folks. Bear with us, you folks who are new to the show in Sri Lanka. I'll get there. City powers invested electors. Oh, here we go. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct. This is Article Two 
uh, Section 1, Paragraph 2. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. That's how it goes. So anyway, so the states determine how the electors are, 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 are elected or appointed. Make sense? Yes. So, um, that is a big question. Oh, go ahead, ask me a question. Right, one more thing uh-huh. before I go. It was about the um, executive power of reprieves, and it's like postponing, like, um, trials or um, punishments and stuff of crimes and different things like that, or you can cancel them. So is this a good power for the president to have? Because it just seems, you know, wrong. I don't see why they would do good with this power. Has there been any good done with this power before? Or what would constitute... Are you talking about reprieve or pardon? I'm not sure what the power of reprieve is, but it sounds like you're talking about pardon. You're talking about pardons? Reprieve. No, reprieve. What's reprieve? What's it, what's it mean exactly? You got a definition? I'm confused. Um, a repeal? Okay, let me look it up. Yeah, okay. No reprieve. Um, yeah, you brought it up. You delay it up. the punishment <laughs> of someone such as a condemned prisoner to give relief or deliverance to for a time. Oh, and the president, like, it's one of the presidential powers. To reprieve. So in other words, if someone's on death row and the execution date is set, they can say no. You know, there, there's still, we need more time. But it, it doesn't overturn the conviction, though, does it? Yeah, but it, it, they can also, like, if there's, like, a trial, they can uh-huh. postpone it. And, can they advance a trial? Um, not in a reprieve, but I'd... And I haven't read yeah. something where they can do that, but I don't this know. Sounds I new. Yeah. This sounds new. Uh, there's a stronger power, habeas corpus, which means to have the body, which means you know the, the defense attorneys go to uh, the judge and say proof. You know, I want proof that, the, that the, my my client's being arrested. What what do, you, what do you got? You know, it's like the Jewish deli. Come on, show me what you got. What do you got? Come on, show me the evidence. I want to see the evidence now. Yeah, what do you got? Um, but uh, that's that's a different thing. So the January six people uh, need massive amounts of habeas corpus rights. In fact, this is, this is where the GOP geldings aren't doing their job. They should be every day outside the D.C. jail with writs of habeas corpus to get those people out. They're not doing it. Um, so, so let's say, so when, when Trump gets in, if they're still there, God forbid, I hope they're not. Um, but I'm just saying, Trump could um, pardon every one of those folks, even before trial. I think. I'm not sure how that would work. But he should, he should actually could direct the Justice Department to release them. So, so there's something where a presidential power would be good. If you had a rogue attorney general that arrested all those people, you know, if Trump were in office, the first thing that would happen is, A, that attorney general would be fired, uh, and B, all those people would be released. But they're not because we, we have, uh, you know, this illegal government. I'm not sure of that power. I don't, I don't think it's, it's that big of an issue necessarily. But if you want to look at it further and present more evidence, feel free. You can end up being a lawyer as well as a broadcaster by the time you're done with, this, uh, <laughs> with your experience here. <laughs> something tells me. Okay. Did you have uh, something else on your mind? If we have a few more minutes, um, I'm probably going to have to go now. Okay. But yeah. Any any previews yeah. of next week's Some report? Interesting topics today. Yep. But, yeah. Uh, in fact, you know, it's funny. I've got a list of things to talk about. I don't think we touched on one of them. 
This is hysterical. I had uh, I had stuff on uh, on my Facebook and Twitter comments. <clears throat> I had uh, I was going to go over the the um, maybe we'll do this next week the uh, the constitutional amendment to ban Congress from borrowing money. That might be an interesting topic. Uh, and 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 you, if you want to write uh, a bill, this would be a great exercise too. If you're interested in removing party membership from people serving in the legislature, justifying that. That might be fun. Do you, I don't know if you want. To, let me know if you want to take that on. If you don't, I want to. Do, um, I definitely want that bill uh, to be written. But uh, if you want to take it on, I'd be, I'd be really happy to see what you come up with. So I'll leave you with that, and we'll do it again next week. Sounds good. Okay. Thank Thanks, you. Brianna. You take care. Bye. All right. Bye now. So let me play you something here. As I, I have tons of stuff to go over. Um, I have. Uh, you know, I just prepare enough stuff just in case I'm the only one here. And so there's a lot of stuff brewing in Ukraine. Uh, I'm going to find out the latest totals on the election. I'm, I, I'm guessing that the Democrats are going to keep the House, and I'll tell you why. Because in 2018, they overturned several elections that Republicans had won. They were the declared winners. And the Democrats came back, you know, for like, you know, one, two, and then three weeks later. Oh, we found more ballots. You know, we've got to count these. Every vote has to count, right? That's fraud. fraud. They had just enough ballots, and as soon as the Democrat was in the lead, oh, okay, we're done. We've got enough ballots. Yep, the election is over. We counted every vote that, you know, that we want, and they would declare the Democrat the winner. Well, they did that enough times to overturn the House you know, for the uh, Democrats, and the, and the gelding Republicans did nothing because you know, that's their job. Their job is to surrender. Well, that's what they see as their job. 2020, same thing. You know, just as there was fraud in the presidential election, there was fraud in the congressional and Senate elections. Well, it didn't matter in the Senate because they already had uh, – you know, two independents who they're calling Democrats and a vice president who uh, they're calling a member of the Senate when, when she isn't. So they already had the Senate. But the House, they did the same thing. You know, overturn a few elections, and guess what? Oh, they win again. Guess what's happening now? All the people in, uh, in are, are all, everybody's watching California right now because there's certain races that haven't been called yet, which is irrational because, as we talked about yesterday, the votes are counted when they're cast. They're counted in the voting machines. So all they have to do is look at the end of the day when the last person cast their vote in the precincts, total it up, combine the totals within the state, and you know how everybody voted. Total the votes up within a congressional district, and you, you've got your representative. You know, total the votes up within the state, and you've got your governor. And that should be done by the time, uh, you know, shortly after the polls close. You just, you know, just coordinate the results. Send in the tablature, tabulated results to one place. Don't do it by internet because that's vote fraud. But uh, call in, phone in the results. You know, take your tabulated non-internet voting machines that simply count ballots, uh, count votes, and relay those totals to, you know, the central office, and there you go. It's done. Maybe uh, there's like one county office where all the results go, and then the counties report to the state office, and uh, the state reports to AP, and, you know, and they announce the results. It takes them a couple hours uh, at most after the polls close because the votes are counted when they're cast now. So there's no, there is no counting of the ballots after they're all in. They're already counted. They went through the voting machine. That was the whole purpose of putting them in a voting machine is to have them count at that moment. So the early votes are counted early, um, in Florida at least. Now, some states don't count early votes until Election Day, which is stupid. You count the early votes early because you can't change your vote. It's done. So, it just, so you might as well count it uh, when it comes in. You know, and then you count the, the mail-in votes, which shouldn't count at all because mail should not be a, a place for uh, voting because you break chain of custody. Count the few absentee ballots that can come in my mail, get those counted, and then on, on a, and do that, close that off like three or four days before the election. I think Saturday they closed it off in Florida. And then Tuesday was election day. So the only votes you have to count on election day are the votes on election day. And those go into a machine, and they're counted when they're cast. 
So by the time the, so when the last person leaves a precinct or a county uh, or even the last person in the state, which in Florida would be in the panhandle because we're in central time, uh, the rest of Florida is on East Coast time, uh, then when that last person in the last county, you know, in the last line, you know, cast their ballot, it's counted and everything's tabulated and you get the results in a couple hours because they already know the results of early voting because uh, they've already done it. So that's why Florida got their vote out so fast, because votes are counted when they're cast on election day. There's no time afterwards. There is no, there is no delay. There is anything beyond two hours is vote fraud, maybe three hours. So I think 10 o'clock is the cutoff. So you, cut out, you close your polls at 7, and you know, whatever results aren't in by 10, it's too late. Anything after 10 o'clock is vote fraud. I mean, I, I might have a national bill to that effect, but that's how that works. And so it's, it's fascinating uh, to me that uh, that's how it goes. And, uh, you know, but anything that comes, any, any of these delays, there's no reason for it because it's vote fraud. And that's the problem. I think I forget, I forget out my chair, too. So I, uh, I'm not sinking down in my chair. So I have a little bit of time to do, to do this. I'm going to play a couple of things. So what am I going to play for a while? Uh, I do my Christmas greeting. Let me see. I do a new normal church and grocery store. I could do a little jazz interlude here. That one's too long. Oh, did I play that one? No, no, church. Yeah. What can I do for you guys here? So I got a little bit of time to sort of uh, hang out. <laughs> um, let's do chat. Let's do the, the Capital Autonomous Zone. My little play on, on Seattle. I'll play that for you. Be back in just a little bit. Ah, Seattle. Time to visit again. Or for the first time. No matter how many times, you'll never forget this visit to Seattle. Watching the sun set on the West Coast, the guitarists on the street corners, people walking, hanging around the many cafes and art enclaves, just taking it all in. From Pike Place Market to the first Starbucks to the whales in Puget Sound and views of Mount Rainier, there is nothing like Seattle. And now you can watch the sunsets glistening off the broken glass in the streets, various styles of bottles used for Molotov cocktails, fashion statements made with creative body armor, the use of improvised weapons, the never-ending art forms painted on every building, particularly the man parts, and the beautiful sound of voices in unison, expressing their fondest wishes and desires for your life and property. So how can you visit this enchanted never-never land of the Northwest during their summer of love? Snowflake Tours has teamed up with the Seattle Board of Economic Development, Tourism, and Riot Promotion to extend the warmest of welcomes to our latest attraction, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, affectionately known as Chaz. Soon to be called CHOP, but we like Chaz better. If you think Disneyland is a good time, it's nothing compared to Chaz. Chaz being an autonomous nation within the United States, protected by the Seattle Mayor and City Council, you can't just walk in like illegal aliens at our southern border. This is because there is a wall and guards openly carrying firearms in order to maintain the security of this new fledgling nation. So, there is a procedure to gain access. Snowflake Tours has made this an escorted tour for your safety, and so you'll be surrounded by people who look like you. White people will have an Antifa tour guide direct from their mommy's basement. But don't worry, they can protect you because they are fully indoctrinated and trained with the latest techniques of mayhem and street combat. Black people will be escorted by a member of Black Lives Matter. Fresh from riots across the country and funded by Amazon and other mega corporations, with their training and experience, you couldn't be in better hands. And of course, they speak black. Take in the wonders of Chaz while you are there. You can warm yourself by the burning book piles, feel the camaraderie as you are swept up in a march or rally, get a brief audience with our warlord, but not for too long, and be sure to make an offering. A blank check, signed, is preferred. Don't worry about the police, there aren't any. 
which is fine because there aren't any laws either. Businesses and attractions may not be there when you get there, depending on the needs of the people. The unique feature of this tour is that rather than enjoy the things that are already there, on this tour it's what you bring to the table that counts. Money, supplies, there is a whole provision list of things like food, water, batteries, jewelry, and other commodities of exchange to choose from in donation to keep Chaz a people's paradise. On this vacation, you show up with full suitcases and leave with empty ones. That's what makes this tour so special. Chaz, a new nation, a new concept, coming to a liberal city near you. Then we have such a good time here. Let me play you a little, uh, see if I get my, some of my, my new sound effects that are, are hinting around here. I played that one. I played that one. Let's play this one. Yes, breaking news on actually. Now down to the newsroom. All right, so now that the election's been stolen, there's not a whole lot to report on that. So uh, we're, we're going to cover that. We'll see what the final result is. But my guess is that uh, just enough uh, California seats will be overturned from when the Republicans actually won them, you know, two hours after the election when that, everything should have been counted, um, to, uh, to become Democrat seats. And then the Democrats will say, well, we won. We're going to claim the House. And the Republicans will do what they normally do, which is surrender, go, oh, yeah, okay, fine. You know, you, I guess you guys win. And then we'll have, uh, you know, constant mayhem problems and all kinds of other things. But oh, rearranging the chair again. Hang on. Let me just get this straight here. There we go. Uh, and that's what's going to uh, happen just like it happened uh, twice before. So the pattern is that the Republicans win uh, the House and the Democrats overturn enough seats in California, which is corrupt anyway, full of illegal aliens and all kinds of other things uh, that uh, totally uh, make the vote um, you know, not, not a real vote. It's, just, it's whatever they say it is. And so Democrats control California. Democrats control the vote in California. They control the ballots in California. They control enough in California that, um, that they, uh, they can pretty much dictate whatever results they want. And if the Republican, you know, they say the Republican loses, then they just make up enough votes so that the, the Democrat wins and then they get control of the House, which is why I want parties out of the House. See, this would never happen you know, under a system where there were no parties in, in Congress. And so this is what I was talking about with Brianna earlier, that if we get rid of the parties, you're probably going to get rid of a lot of vote fraud because the, there'd be, uh, there are no parties to control Congress. It's all individual. So they have to build coalitions within Congress. They still might vote cheat and do things like that if they don't want to, you know, if interested people, billionaires, you know, um, fascist corporations, things like that, that don't want, you know, American first, just don't want a great country. They want to subvert themselves to the, uh, the new world order, you know, globalist, uh, um, world economic forum, Klaus Schwab, you know, Bill Gates, George Soros, you know, dictatorship, then uh, that's, that's their problem, you know, but, uh, and it's our problem if they try to do that to individual races, but it's a lot harder to do it to individual races than it is an entire Congress. And so if you have a Congress where everybody's independent, you know, I think that would go a long way to, uh, you know, having we, the people have a lot more influence because the committee heads would be by vote of the members of Congress. But if there's no party, then that meant that it's not dictated by the speaker or by the Senate majority leader. It actually be a vote of the Congress. You know, all, all, all members, all the parties would have to decide which people are, would head which committees. It'd be very interesting to see former Democrats and former Republicans running various committees. That's the way to do it. So, we, so if you really want to take your country back, you've got to get rid of parties. 
uh, for members in, in Congress. Uh, what you don't need to do is, uh, is stop parties from outside of Congress because that that's, goes against free speech and free association. And so parties are free to be as corrupt and disgusting and horrible and manipulative and propagandistic and fascist as they want outside of Congress and the state legislatures and uh, local governments and things like that, but they can't do it with the actual members. And so I think a, a separation of party and uh, legislator is a lot more, uh, certainly, you know, would be, would be far more important right now. Um, and we need to, well, it's like separation of church and state. So we need the separation of party and politician. Now, there is no separation of church and state. I just use that as an example. But uh, separation of party and politician, we need to have. And the reason is for what I'm going to go over next in the next hour. So it's now uh, top of the third hour. And so this will be, uh, be, I'll do this hour. Anybody wants to join me, feel free. 215-383-3832. And let me check live chat. I haven't checked live chat. You know, I've been uh, working with uh, Brianna on some really interesting topics. And she's pretty flexible, too. This is another thing I like about having her on the show is that we go over different topics. I mean, she may have something planned. I have something planned. But it, we just kind of go off on these, these wonderful tangents. And it's very spontaneous. Again, none of what happened in the previous, you know, almost hour and three quarters was planned. And it's just, uh, it's just, you know, anyway, so I'm really, I'm really happy with the have an action radio. And this is, this is, this is, this is the dream job, folks. This is the absolute dream job. I've got the world's best people, you know, right here on my show and we talk and we, we talk about things that nobody else does. All right. World Night Daily, Ukraine, money laundering hub of the new world order, exclusive by Sherry Goodman, S-H-A-R-I Goodman says U.S. Hawks are getting their talking points from, from Soros, not Biden. And this is a World Net Daily guest columnist. This is published March 17th of 2022. So this is the first of the, uh, the articles that I found on Ukraine money laundering. And so Ukraine is basically a, a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a bank operation. It's a bank operation for the Democrat Party. Looks like Pianki wants to join us right away, too. So let's get him on uh, as I go through this article. So what do you think of my chat with uh, Brianna? Uh, she's brilliant. She's a high school kid. She's brilliant. Love having her on the show. Need more like her. Hopefully that uh, that. That's in the process because mm-hmm. you need to have young people informed. That's why I have her compared on. Compared to what we see now. Yeah, well, I'd love to have her on. In fact, uh, I was thinking that if uh, uh, she and maybe uh, a co-host want to do their own show, they could go to Blog Talk. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop to this hint to Brianna, maybe talk to her family, um, that uh, it would be nice to have Or Patriot Academy, where she learned a lot of her stuff. They should have their own radio show, too. So these folks, you know, to sort of combat the, the, the nonsense that's out there. Um, but she could easily, I'm sure, do a once-a-week show. Uh, she does a big show with us here. I mean, we had four hours last week. I wish she could stay longer this week, but, uh, you know, she's got stuff to do. And I actually have stuff to do, too. I've got to get, I want to get this Ukraine report out uh, as far as it goes. But, yeah, so hopefully she will inspire young folks. She'll, she'll send her reports to, you know, all her friends and family, and they'll share it as well. Uh, any of the, the, the teenage political groups, Turning Point, I think, is more of a college site. But then maybe there's a high school you know, political organization and Patriot Academy, you know, she should uh, send it back to them. I'll talk to her about that too and inspire, you know, other folks and graduates of Patriot Academy because I want to inspire them to be lobbyists for us in the state capitals and in Congress. That's what I'm hoping for. So yeah, I I love having young people on the show and that's why it's for the same reason that you said, you know, we need more of them. Well, yes, that's, I mean, those examples are tantamount throughout the, a demonstration of success. I mean, look at the New York Yankees. That one of the best form teams that uh, there is in baseball. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. they nurture their future player to make up their lineup. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's kind of what we're doing here. You too. have to do with the young people. Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm more for having more young folks on. If any, anybody who's interested in being on the show, you know, I'm on Facebook, um, Twitter now. I'm actually getting, starting to build a small following on Twitter uh, after having been censored so badly. Uh, for so long. Uh, but my email, greg at rightgearlaws.com is my, my public email. So folks can reach me there. So let's, uh, let's get in this article here on uh, World Net Daily on, on the Ukraine. Um, see, the war seemed to have disappeared. Have you noticed that Ukraine's off the headlines pretty much, unless we're giving money there during the election? Well, you know, this, this, deal with, this deal with this guy uh, bankrupt in FTX, this cryptocurrency company. I'm getting to that. That's that's on my list of articles. So we're gonna we're gonna hit that next. Okay. I wanted to give a little background right, first, but yeah. So we're definitely let's uh, let's hold off on that just for a little bit here. But let me let me start and the this Ukraine's article. right in the middle of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, let's, let's get the background to folks. So this was written right at the start of the Ukraine war, and this was uh, I guess they, they invaded like February sometime, or maybe the beginning of March. This is March seventeenth. And Sherry says, since the Russian invasion of Ukraine about three weeks ago, there we go, our corporate media has been cheering on Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and the Ukrainians while demonizing Russia and Putin as another Hitler. What the media failed to cover and identify is the New World Order, or the NWO, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum, and the role each played in provoking Russia in a much broader conflict between the New World Order and the nationalists. See, I'm a nationalist. I'm an American nationalist. America firsters are nationalists. It's not a bad word. It's a good word. You know, so, uh, so the Russians, you know, for the most part, are nationalists. Uh, I don't see Putin as snuggling up to the New World Order. First of all, they don't have the economic power. Uh, and secondly, Russians are pretty much of an independent lot, and they proved that in World War II. Anyway, um, comment on that so far? The, this is a New World Order versus the nationalists? Pianchi? Then I'll continue on. Go ahead and continue. Okay, Zelensky won the presidency in 2019 after being heavily bankrolled by a corrupt Ukrainian oligarch by the name of Igor Kolomoskyi. Since his election, Zelensky has cleverly attempted to play the middle ground in a war between two superpowers. In 2014, Ukraine's democratically elected president, Viktor Yanukovych, was toppled by our CIA in favor of a puppet who had served the New World Order's purpose for using the nation as a money-laundering hub. That would be Zelensky. Ukraine was hardly a democracy prior to the invasion. Opposition journalists are routinely jailed there. In fact, they just blocked a city uh, from from journalists uh, just the other day, uh, probably because there's evidence of Ukrainian torture and probably Nazi groups. That would be my guess. Anyway, it says there is no freedom of the press in Ukraine. It is not by coincidence and contrary to the paid-for-hire fact-checkers, that the sons of Democrats in leadership positions, Biden, Pelosi, and Kerry, either sat on the boards of energy companies in Ukraine or were doing business in Ukraine. When a new Ukrainian prosecutor, Konstantin Kulik, opened an investigation into the business dealings of Burisma, where Hunter Biden, with no energy experience, sat on the board, Joe Biden, as vice president, threatened to withhold financial aid to Ukraine and triumphantly bragged about it on camera. Imagine that. The very quid pro quo Democrats used to falsely charge President Trump is precisely what Biden is guilty of in Ukraine. Do you remember that? He was before the, uh, <clears throat> what's that, the, the, the thing everybody hates, the Foreign Relations uh, Council? He's sitting there and he's got FRC, he's got Foreign Relations uh, Council in the back. Oh, Council on Foreign Relations, excuse me. So, so Brandon's sitting there with about three or four other people. And he says, uh, tell him to, to uh, you know, stop the investigation of my son or they're not going to get the money. And he says, well, the guy said, well, you're not president, you know, who, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, you, you can't tell what's going on. He says, go ahead, call the president, call him, tell him, you're not going to get the money. Remember that? Remember that quote from that, that council on foreign relations thing? 
Absolutely. That's what yeah. Well, go ahead. All right. Well, let me continue. No, I remember too. that. Yeah, yeah. This, this, this that was a grounds for locking him up. Yeah. That was a, absolutely. And Obama too. He said when the officials said that he had got okay for the president, Biden said, "We'll call the president." Mm-hmm. Yep, that's an indictment of Obama too. Yes, good point. So that was grounds for impeachment of Obama right there, and of of Biden. You know, kick them both out of office. Anyway, it says it was. It is widely believed that the NWO, which appears to control the European Union, NATO, and the Crown—that would be Britain—and the UN, was instrumental in toppling the regimes of Saddam Hussein. Hey, notice we went to war in Iraq. You thought we went to war there for, uh, for, for you know, making the world you know free? No nonsense. <laughs> that was a that was a world government war. Uh, Gaddafi in Libya, another world government war. That was Hillary responsible for that. The shipment of ammunition to ISIS in Syria in an attempt to topple the regime of Syrian President Bashar al-Assad and the installment of Joe Biden here in the United States. Okay, why is the shipment of ammunition to ISIS in Syria critical? What little event in our history, uh, where did that ammunition go through? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, No, I don't remember. Benghazi. Chris Stevens, ambassador to... uh, to Libya in Benghazi, that was the ammunition staging point for the the uh, the, ar- the weapons and arms that were going to uh, ISIS to overthrow Assad. That's why Benghazi is such a such a controversial issue. That's why there's such a cover up of Benghazi. That's why they abandoned those people. They left them alone because Hillary Clinton was running guns through Benghazi uh, into uh, Syria. Well, yeah, that was uh, John McCain. He was the one that was promoting giving weapons to uh, Syrian moderates. You remember? Yeah, moderates. Was it John McCain? Was McCain alive during that time? Benghazi or or not? I'm not sure. I don't remember him being a big player he in that. Was, he was. He was. Uh, yeah. Okay. He was in favor of giving because I remember seeing a uh, a news clip. A guy in civilian clothes with a rocket launcher on his shoulder, shooting mm-hmm. at somebody. Hmm. So at that time, yeah, that so that was McCain that was in favor of giving weapons, uh, supplying weapons to Syrian moderates, yeah. whatever so the hell he moderates was, are. Exactly. Well, ISIS. Well, if you think ISIS are moderates, then you've got a real problem. Um, but uh, this is part of the permanent war class. This is like the John Boltons of the world that want us at war somewhere. And I remember when uh, Trump tried to pull us out of Syria. And the permanent war class said, no, you can't do that. That's impeachable. <laughs> right. Anyway, it says he suspected, he suspected <clears throat> that the New World Order was using Ukraine as a proxy to create a color revolution in Russia. I'll have to look up that term. I forgot what that is. That's a CIA term. While America was funding bioweapon labs in, with pathogens in Ukraine. This is what Josie talks about all the time, the bioweapons labs. It says during the DNC, that's the Democrat National Committee, general session a week ago, Intellectually challenged Kamala Harris, <laughs> sorry, triggered the already anxiety-laden Putin and the entire Russian military, which implied that Ukraine was already in NATO by proclaiming, I will say over and over again, the U.S. stands firmly with the Ukrainian people in defense of the NATO alliance. She's an idiot. She's, da- she's dangerously uh, uh, idiotic, quite frankly. This is additionally, while the Biden administration, which a term I never use, at first denied the existence of biological weapon labs in Ukraine, Undersecretary of State Virginia Newland, who was on that big panel, remember the, uh, remember the impeachment panel with, um, who was that, uh, that nasty little uh, colonel, um, Winmer, Win something or other, because that's actually Ukrainian. Anyway, Undersecretary of State Victoria Newland later admitted well, uh, that he's Ukrainian. 
Who's Ukrainian. No way in the world I would pronounce his name. No, he's American. The American citizen. He was a he was a colonel in the American military. He was offered the job as Secretary of Defense of Ukraine. He should have taken it because then we could revoke his American citizenship. If if an American, a naturalized American, serves in a foreign You're military, right. you can you can you can strip them of their of their naturalized citizenship. Yep. Anyway, it says right. we are to believe that these labs with dangerous pathogens were there for scientific study in a highly unstable country that just happens to share a border with a nuclear arch enemy of ours. Yeah, there's nothing uh, accidental about those labs in, in Ukraine. I still don't know about much about the bio labs. We'll, we'll keep pursuing that. She says, almost done with this article, then I'll uh, move on and cover more paragraphs. Interestingly, throughout this conflict, our media has not mentioned the existence of a new world order as envisioned by Klaus Schwab, and the role they may be playing behind the scenes. Oh, this is absolutely a, a globalist war. Ukraine is nothing but globalism. That's why Trump wouldn't have gotten us involved with this. He wouldn't, be, he wouldn't have sent $160 billion to Ukraine. Uh, it never would have gone. Right? Anyway, it says, it is unsettling that our entire source of information is dependent on six corporations engaged in censorship, largely due to their participation in the New World Order. The six corporations are News Corp, Time Warner, Comcast, Sony, Viacom, and Disney. All are funded by two major hedge funds, BlackRock and Vanguard. While, over, while our media has kept Americans in the dark when it comes to the New World Order and the power behind the movement, it is vitally important for Americans to learn about this new ruling class, the billionaire oligarchy behind it, its ties to the World Economic Forum, the World Economic Global Institute, its mission, and the pivotal role it has played here at home and throughout the globe. This is why sources like us, this is why I don't have multi-million listeners by now. I mean, we are incredibly suppressed, oppressed, and it's really up to people to share the show individually. You know, that combined with, a, a, you know, not much of a marketing budget, um, you know, limits us horribly. But these shows are going to be golden, I think, once we break out and people go, oh, are you really saying that? Yeah, wow. You know, so that's, uh, that's part of why I keep doing this. I think it's the last paragraph I'll do here. It says, Klaus Schwab, a German economist, formed the WEF in 1971. Hey, Karl Marx was a German economist, too. What an interesting coincidence. Ah, maybe there's no connection. Anyway, it says, its mission is to erase national sovereignty, well, that's Marx, too, as well as capitalism, and replace it with a one-world centralized authoritarian communist government under the auspices of the billionaire oligarchy that meets in Davos yearly. We should go to Davos, Bianchi. Let's go crash the meeting. Would that be fun? We'll hold up. We'll, we'll do shows outside the meeting. Anyway, it says nearly every major political figure throughout the Western world in over 100 countries has graduated from the World Economic Forum's Global Institute. The people would be Justin Trudeau, Macron of France, Angela Merkel of Germany, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Gavin Newsom, Pete Buttigieg, George Soros, Jacinda Ardern of New Zealand, among many others. In addition to the many global leaders, there have been nearly 20,000 global shapers placed throughout the world in positions of leadership in government, banking, education, corporations, the media, and nearly all of our institutions. I would say big tech specifically. I bet you Jack Dorsey uh, and uh, Zuckerberg have been to these world economic places. He says there are hundreds of global institute hubs throughout the globe, most likely one near you, where global shapers are there to advance policies of a communist global agenda. These shapers have not been elected to office, yet their policies, often at odds with the mores and values of the communities involved, are advanced and pushed upon an unsuspecting public. Yeah, that's what election fraud's all about. So it doesn't matter who runs, they want to control it. As just here's the last paragraph. As Schwab has openly stated in his version of the future, you will own nothing and be happy. The notion that our private property rights are in jeopardy is a frightening vision and at odds with the right to pursue life, liberty, uh, life and liberty as enshrined in our Constitution. There is no freedom without private property. 
So there we go. Then it goes on to China, the Wuhan lab, and things like that. But let me leave it there and get on to the next article. Comments so far? Well, we're really rolling. Headed in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And and the point of this whole thing is that, uh, that Ukraine is not a war. It's a globalist government operation designed to take money from us and give it to the globalists. That's what this is all about. And uh, where it gets really interesting is FTX, this is private uh, company. What's really, just went, yeah, go ahead. What's really about this, how it comes back into the hand of American politicians. So, so you, just and, to and, yeah, keep go going, ahead. you're going to get to that point too. Oh, we are, yeah. So I'll save my, I was going to do a spoiler thing, but I won't at this point. Next article, website, the 21st century, Declan Hayes, D-E-C-L-A-N, Hayes, H-A-Y-E-S, on August 22nd, so about March, April, May, June, July, five months later. Ukraine's massive money laundering scam. It says, before looking at Ukraine's government warrants, which gives the game away to anyone with even a rudimentary financial or mathematical background, let's just quickly survey Kiev's empty coffers. And it's Kiev, not Kiev. Stop calling it Kiev. Brandon calls it Kiev. It's Kiev, please. Zelensky's Ukrainian money laundering scam might well outrank the Dutch tulip mania scam. That's a great story. The Florida swampland scam the South sea, and the South Sea bubble is the greatest scam in recorded history. Before looking at Ukraine government's warrants, which gives the game away to anyone. Oh, I already said that. Okay. It says in the East, Russian allied forces have secured most of Ukraine's hard currency re- revenue generators. Russia stole the money. This is why they need so much money in Ukraine. Russia stole the money. I didn't know that. This is fascinating, right? So these apparently include financial boiler rooms, bio-war labs, and Hunter Biden-linked factories to produce an array of opioids such as methadone, as well as the ephedrine-type substances of T-phedrine and triphedrine, which also saw action with NATO's Syrian proxies. So these aren't bio labs. Maybe these are drug labs. That's a whole new take on this. Pianchi? I had no idea. Isn't this great? I'll keep rolling. Well, that kind of reminded me of uh, back during Bill's time when they bombed the pharmaceutical uh, company, I think it was in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, they didn't want, want to get rid of any competition in Vita Crew. You imagine how much money you can make off of drugs? Mm-hmm. So let's see if Ukrainian is – that's my next story. Is Ukrainian the, a drug hub? So let me write a quick note to myself. Are Ukraine – yeah, we have a bunch of Ukrainians are meth labs. So Ukraine drug labs. This is why investigative reporters are so good. But these stories are never going to make the mainstream news, which is why you need to listen to us. Folks, you want to help your country? Share Action Radio. Do-do-do. Back here. The net result of all of that is because NATO will have to outsource such production to other compliant gangster states. To Bosnia, for example, it is money lost to Ukraine. Well, what this reminds me of is the Golden Triangle in Vietnam and the opium poppies uh, in uh, Turkey and Iraq. So do you remember the opium poppies which lead to heroin? You know, the Golden Triangle uh, in Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, which uh, ended up, I think they were making cocaine. Both CIA-directed CIA military-transported uh, drugs into the United States. So this is, this is a pattern. Now it gets better. Listen to this. Although Russia should use all that booty, there's all the money and stuff they, they got, along with the Azov Nazis they have captured, to go after the bigger and more culpable fish that is not our primary focus here. So the Azov Nazis are the descendants of actual German Nazis from World War II that are in eastern Ukraine. 
So this is part of the untold story that I need to look into more. The Azov Nazis, Nazis are being used by the Zelensky government to basically torture Russians because the Nazis in eastern Ukraine hate the Russians. The Russians in western Ukraine hate the, hate the, the, the Nazis. <laughs> so you've got this. You've, this is like World War II. Continuing. You're right. It's World War II continuing. You're yeah, absolutely the right. A continuation of World War II. Yeah, yeah. It hasn't ended yet. Uh, not here anyway. Anyway, so let's uh, let's. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, Russia's you know taking the money. <laughs> this is fascinating. So if we stop bankrolling Ukraine uh, and Russia stole Ukraine's money, they would have to come to the negotiating table. See, the whole thing. This never should never have gone to war. If Trump were in power, he'd say, "Look, you idiots, you're going to go to the negotiating table. We're not going to give you money. We're not going to let you make war. This is it. You know, sit down, talk, and divide up your countries the way you see fit. And Eastern Europe will be, and, and Russia will will be the players, and confined to those countries. That's what they should have done. Containment." Containment works. It says, for not only has Russia captured an arsenal of smoking guns that should put the entire Biden and Pelosi families away for the rest of their natural lives, but they have captured more fungible resources as well. So far, Russian allied forces have secured at least $12.4 trillion worth of Ukraine's energy deposits, metals, and minerals. That's staggering. <laughs> so you think Russia's powerful now? You, we just gave Russia. Not only do we give them 20% of our uranium, they've captured $12.4 trillion worth of Ukraine's energy reserves. That figure includes over 63% of Ukraine's coal deposits, 11% of oil, 20% of its natural gas, 42% of its metals, and 33% of its deposits of rare earth and other critical minerals, including lithium. And we all know where lithium's used, right? Where's lithium used? I'm not talking about tranquilizers. Batteries. Batteries electric for... Car, electric car batteries. Exactly. Article says, because these resources are now permanently outside the clutches and scams of Zelensky's domestic and foreign oligarchs, they can no longer be used as collateral in their ongoing frauds. Although Russia's advance, advances mean there is far less money in Zelensky's kitty to pay off Zelensky's creditors, Poland is, even, is an even bigger headache for the Kiev junta, which is a military dictatorship, and America, lest we forget, has always insisted on getting its pound of flesh and more. So the Poles, that's why the Poles wanted to send MiGs. They want this war to continue. They got a vested interest in it. Now I know why. Huh. Poland is doing to Zelensky's Ukraine what Dutch multinationals and other predators did to Greece, to which we will shortly return. To fund Zelensky's war, Polish companies are snapping up Ukrainian farms and produce with discounts of up to 80% or more. Because Ukraine's a breadbasket. You know the Ukraine flag? Blue over yellow? Do you know what that signifies? It's uh, the sky over wheat. Exactly. Oh, you're better than I thought. I'm impressed. That's good. Poland, okay, so it says, to fund Zelensky's war, Polish companies, okay, I already read that. Through the, though the Polish Investment and Trade Agency, the PAIH, are providing production workshops in Poland for Zelensky loyalists to continue their businesses in time of war, the reality is that Polish companies are not only colonizing Western Ukraine, but causing capital flight by allowing Ukrainian companies to set up shop in Poland with the same rights and lack of restrictions Poles have. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> you know what they're doing? They're, they're winning World War II again because Poland was completely victimized by Ukrainian Nazis. Um, and so this is, this is payback. <laughs> These people have a long memory. This is payback. I think that's what, what Poland's doing because Poland was invaded not only by, the, by Nazi Germany, but by communist Russia. They hate both sides. Poles aren't stupid. They just unfortunately live in a very flat country with no natural boundaries. That's why the German and the Russian tanks could roll through so easily. But Poles have a long history. Yeah, and they demonize, uh, you know, it's funny how that goes. And they, you take, they pick one figure, 
and ride that horse to, to demonize him. And that was Adolf, totally demonized for everything. The same way they're trying to do to Trump. Yeah, let me. I'm going to do a little bit more of this. I want to. Uh, there's a couple more paragraphs that might be interesting. It's uh, well, maybe. Let's see how. Eh, it's not that far. We got time. I might. I might run a little bit over just because I want to get two more articles on the FTX Corporation. So it says, Ukrainians, given the choice of setting up in Poland or staying in cash-strapped missile-prone Ukraine, are voting with their feet and moving en masse to the Polish motherland, whose entrepreneurs are buying up Galatia's farms and other resources that knock down prices. Yeah, spoils war, right? Though it is in context of this Galatian implosion, and that's G-A-L-I-C-I-A-N. I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's the, those are books, Galatians, isn't that a book in the Bible? Maybe I'm thinking of something else. <laughs> Look at our Bible scholars here. Yeah, where's, it is. Okay. It is. Where's right. Wendy? Wendy? Yeah, I was going to say, where's Wendy? <laughs> Wendy, you should be listening 24-7. I mean, at least listen to the show, Wendy. We need you to call in now. All right. Galatia, you, you, you text her. <laughs> Galatian implosion that Zelensky, Zelensky's promises to invade Crimea and to march on Moscow must be gauged. The fact that this jumped-up naked dancer still commands any respect is certainly one for the history books. You know what's really interesting, too, is that if you look at a map of, of Russia uh, and Crimea, there's a bridge that goes directly from Russia to Crimea. You know, or to that, that territory they have. So they're actually connected in a kind of a strange way. Now, I know Russia wants the port down there. Uh, so Ukraine has Odessa, and I think uh, Russia has Crimea. Well, I've, check. Hang on, I got a globe. I have a globe. And you <laughs> know, Zelensky had, uh, uh-huh. Zelensky had family that was killed in the, in the concentration camps there in Germany. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so he probably hates the Nazis. Huh. All right, so Crimea is actually attached to Russia. And a little town of, let me see if I can read this here, uh, Krasnodar, Krasnodar, Russia, in the Caucasus Mountains, is connected to Crimea. So people think Crimea is a really distant place. And why did Russia take Crimea? Well, they're attached to it. <laughs> they crossed the bridge and walked in, <laughs> you know, and Obama let them. Uh, not that he could do much about it. I think uh, to, you know, not to, I love criticizing Obama, but I don't think this one was necessarily his fault. I don't think there's a whole lot he could have done to stop Russia from crossing a bridge and walking into territory that was, that was connected to Russia. So it says, let's leave aside for now the fact that the Ukrainian army is broken, that Western Europe is now overrun by Ukrainian economic migrants, in other words, illegal aliens, with very dodgy political outlooks. <laughs> in other words, Nazis and communists, that Zelensky cannot let a day go by without asking his NATO masters for another king's ransom to blow up his, to blow up his nose. <laughs> I guess he's a cokehead. And of Hunter Biden and his other key advisors. Is Zelensky a cokehead? Is he a drug addict? Do we know that? He was a comedian. I'm just, I'm just speculating. I don't here. know. He's probably on something. That's one of the reasons why Kevin Obama would be useless over there. Uh, oh. Not one of the reasons, but he would be useless because of what's considered the Rhineland bastards. See, Obama would be looked at as an ambassador because of his his makeup and his. See, Obama was born a Muslim. Yeah, mm-hmm. his Kenyan father was Muslim. Traditionally, mm-hmm. he's Muslim. Well, I think by and, Muslim law, uh, he's Muslim. People, they don't care very much for people yeah. with dark skin, which mm-hmm. is all right. That's their nation. They have a right to feel how they want to feel. Yeah. You know, people forget that uh, that World War II. You know, they, they say that you know that race is the origin of all hate, or pretty much, or that's what the the impression is here. World War II in Europe was fought entirely with white people. 
White Russians fought white Germans, you know, ran over white Poles and Romanians and Hungarians in the Eastern Front and ran over white French, white Dutch, white uh, Norwegians, you know, and Swedes and uh, white Italians and white Spanish in the, in, the, in the Spanish Civil War, you know, against white British. <laughs> so World War II was a white right. war, folks, in Western it's Europe. It was all white people. It's, it's a continuation of what had been going on <clears throat> for ages. I yep. mean, ages. And that's uh, just the way it is. See, France used Senegal. France used to always go to Africa and get troops. Uh, used to go to, to Senegal, and Britain used to go to the, uh, Ghana, which are the English-speaking countries today. Oh, so they, France took uh, Senegalese troops into the Balkans, not mm-hmm. the Balkans, but the Rhineland, in order to gain reparations and have uh, access to their coal fields. Hmm. And those, those Senegalese troops made it with uh, the women there, and that's where they came up with the byproduct. They called it the Rhineland Bastards. Oh, interesting. I never know that. That's a good point in history. Yeah, it's fascinating that uh, North Africa was the only place in World War II that didn't involve white people in the European War. You know, you had uh, World, the other part of World War II was the Pacific battle between the United States and Japan. Uh, and that was, you Well, know, you future, had uh, yeah. Rommel, Rommel, he uh-huh. was... He was he was fighting in North Africa. Oh yeah, the, oh, yeah. the British and the yeah the British and the Germans and the Americans fought, uh, and the Italians were there too uh, for a while. I don't know if the French were there. Uh, the French, I think, have Algeria. I think Algeria speaks French, and that's where they get a lot of their troops from. Um, but uh, but yeah, but the North Africa was the only place of, of the European African War that wasn't you know involving white people. So when you talk about it, it wasn't a race war; it was a hatred war. It's actually. Um, the left, you, it was really the left versus the right. It was really the, the communists versus the, the nationalists. And it's interesting that the pre- You know the, who controlled have, the money systems? You know who controlled the money systems in Germany, don't you? Switzerland. Nope. Nope. Who? Start with a J. J, 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 J. I don't know. Help me the out. Jews. Control the money of Germany? Yeah, see, I, yeah, I'm always hesitant when I hear things like that. Um, because yes, they did. They're banks. So these are, now, now, if it's, if it's legitimately Jewish-owned banks held huge holdings for Germans, that would be one thing. Now, did the Nazis confiscate vast reserves from Jewish banks? Well, what started <laughs> all is that uh, Germans couldn't go to their own bank. I mean, go to a local bank and get their own money out is a short story of it. When, and when that caused the sentiment around that time. Before World War II or after? That's Are we talking about Crystal Knock? Well, it was. It, be, it probably began. Well, I know it began before. They always mm-hmm. have been in the money. The whole idea of gold certificates, whereas gold was too cumbersome for people to yeah. carry around, so what they would do is deposit the gold, physical gold, in these banks that yep. was owned by certain people. And then so they would issue a certificate. Well, that got so good, they say, well, why in the hell are we waiting for people to bring in physical gold? We can just issue certificates with no gold. And that's what happened. Oh, that's, that's like money. <laughs> that's not being backed by gold. Yeah, see, here's the problem I have, though. You know, when uh, I want to make sure that we're not talking about a, a Jewish conspiracy, that, you know, Jews have all the money and power. I don't want to get into that because that's obviously not true. However, if there, I don't want to deny the fact that there might be a legitimate case where a lot of the money was held in banks that were owned by, by Jews in Germany and that those banks might have been raided by the Nazis. 
you know, because they're saying, well, we're, we're going to nationalize the banks. So I don't know enough about this, but I don't, like I say, I don't want to get into a, a prejudicial situation with the Jews. But if we're actually talking well, about you don't have to get into really a prejudicial situation, you just have to look at things the way it was. There's well, another good book out called Conjuring Hitler, uh-huh. how the U.S. and Britain created the Third Reich. So all these things had a lot to do with yep. it. You know, people well, just don't wake up in, in the morning and want to kill Australians. At least I don't. It's usually <laughs> for a reason. The old yeah. war between the Hatfields and the McCoys, it's still it going on. Yeah, it didn't start overnight. didn't end overnight either. Yeah, so is Korea still going on. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, but like I say, I just always have my own. I want to I find out. Uh, I'm not afraid to go there, but I just want to make sure that we're, we're doing it properly. Yeah, right, just go, go there. I'm not yep. um, trying to make okay. it no, possible, but, no, but just go fine. there. Yeah. Let me – um, let me let me give you some more information here because this is kind of fun. Uh, it says let's uh, let's look instead at Ukraine's uh, borrowing. Uh, it says and their GDP linked warrants in particular to see that Zelensky and his court are taking us all for the mother of all rides. Ever since the Soviet Union's collapse, Ukraine has been a basket case, and Ukrainian bonds have been a byword in caveat emptor. In other words, buyer beware. Even more so than the revealing cases of Italy, Argentina, Bosnia, Bulgaria, Costa Rica, and Greece, whose debt should have permanently debarred it from joining the euro system. Following the totally predictable collapse of the Greek economy and its subsequent rape by Dutch, German, and French multinationals, Europe's bankers hit on the brainwave of of replicating the Argentinian solution of GDP-linked warrants to milk even more blood from ravaged Greece. It says, although the IMF, that's the International Monetary Fund, the IMF very kindly explained the pricing mechanism for these exotic instruments here, the fundamentals are simple enough to follow, especially for those familiar with the basic Black, Scholes, and related European-American uh, op- uh, called option models. All right, I don't want to get into all this. I'm going to sort of pass this economic stuff. Let me just get to the last paragraph. Uh, if they cannot stage a coup d'etat and sue for peace, they should abandon their weapons and positions, surrender, uh, save their lives, and let Zelensky, his wife, and their Hollywood and Brussels hangers, hangers-on take up the slack because Zelensky and those he is on the on he is in hock too. In other words, you know, borrowed uh, have pulled a massive scam not only on the West taxpayers and financial intermediaries, but more tragically on them, their comrades, and their families. So that's what he's saying. So this is uh, so basically the Zelensky's borrowed himself, you know, away out of taking our money. So I'll let you let the conclusions go. I'm not really sure about that. Let me get into this next one here. And I'm going to play something about 30 seconds just because I need to take a break. FTX appears to be a political Ponzi scheme running dollars to politicians and through Ukraine. So let's get back to what we with the main topic here that we think this is a, a massive uh, money bank. So let me play my Christmas greetings as we're getting near that time of year. And I'll be right back in just a couple of minutes here. So give me uh, a bit of a break. Ah, here we go. Be right back. Hello, everyone. It's that time of year again. So here is just a friendly little message from your Action Radio revolutionaries. In preparation for Christmas and New Year's, we have just a few ideas and suggestions to make your holiday complete. Granted, these are times of adversity brought about by bureaucrats in what we affectionately call the leftist lockdown orgasmic power trip. But don't let a completely illegal, martial law style abdication and removal of your constitutional rights get in the way of a decent glass of eggnog with friends. After all, six-foot social distancing is a completely false concept for a virus that can linger in the air for hours in aerosol form, can be sneezed well over 200 feet, 
can travel through an entire 10-story building's central air system in a couple of minutes and goes through a mask like a mosquito through a chain-link fence. So, no matter what you do, everyone is getting exposed sometime. Leaving the healthy people alone accomplishes this in about 10 weeks. So, this should have been done the end of May. Speaking of masks, besides being a violation of your Fourth Amendment rights against seizure of your person, in this case, your face, without due process, the state can't make you wear a mask. So, go home if you're sick, but if not, go free face, as all real Americans are doing, and enjoy the Christmas season. Apparently, there is a deplorable lack of New Year's resolutions this year. Well, I have one, hmm, to resist. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to restore and rejuvenate that inner rugged individual the left has tried so hard to put behind a mask and lockdown, and I'm going to resist. So, you find a creative way to resist, there's your revolution resolution. Remember, folks, those Twilight Zone episodes where people wore masks? They were supposed to make you think, not make you copy them. Family values should be emphasized this Christmas with the traditions that bind us together. Sit as close as you can at dinner. Remember those wet kisses from Grandma when you were a kid? Engage in spirited debates. Don't forget to use serving dishes where everyone sticks their own personal fork and spoon in, all in the interest of sharing. Remind everyone that closing churches violates the First Amendment. Closing businesses without criminal convictions violates our Fifth Amendment right to life, liberty, and property. And closing schools denies our kids their right to an education. So, you may want to point that out to your governors and mayors this festive season so they understand their transgressions and can repent. I would have suggested you go to New York this year, but quite frankly, they don't have the balls to celebrate New Year's. (laughs) No, really, the ball isn't dropping. Maybe we should rename Times Square Tiananmen Square West. Remember that there are many great gifts you can share this Christmas, particularly AR-15s and AK-47s. Those tend to warm the heart. As we say at Action Radio, world peace through strength. Just remember that everything the government tells you is wrong. So if you want to avoid COVID, don't take the vaccine. Go to the beach instead. Get that sunshine and vitamin D. Stay away from home. Engage in commerce and business. Travel as much as you can. Work out at crowded gyms. Drive extensively, preferably with the windows open. Patronize businesses that are in open rebellion. And resist, resist, resist the doctor dictatorship. In closing, let me just say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. Muslims, you don't have a holiday at this time, so just go eat Chinese food on Christmas Eve and meet some really nice Jewish folks. Hey, they might be your neighbors. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio. See all the fun we have here? <laughs> I made that two years ago. I made that before the um, um, for the uh, 2020 Christmas when we were deep in the middle of, of lockdown territory and uh, the, the gene jab was just coming out and other things were happening. All right, back to the show. Um, this is Gateway Pundit, one of my favorite sources, but it's one of the hardest to read on the air because they have all these ads and pictures and you know Twitter things and it's a mess. <laughs> it's really pretty crazy. Anyway, it says that, uh, let's make sure I'm on. Yes, I'm on. Push on the button here and there we go. FTX appears to be a political Ponzi scheme running dollars to politicians and through Ukraine. So Ponzi scheme is, is where somebody at the top says, if you give me uh, so much money, I'll invest it and you'll make a whole bunch of money. Uh, and if you get other people to give you money, you know, and then give some of that money to me, then they'll make a whole bunch of money. So Ponzi scheme is built on you attracting other people to give you money for an investment that never happens. 
And so it works as long as people get, keep getting more money. So then the first person says, you know, give me money to two people. And those two people give money. And then they ask uh, four people to give them money. And then those four people ask eight people to give them money. Now, there's no, there's no actual investment here, um, but that's a Ponzi scheme. And it collapses when people stop giving them money. And then the people, you know, at the bottom say, well, I want my money back. Well, there isn't any. <laughs> it was gone. It went to the person at the top. So the money filters its way up to the top people. Uh, and the bottom people, well, I want my money back. And then, of course, it gets to the Justice and Security Exchange, and they find out it was a Ponzi scheme started by somebody named Ponzi. That's what it's named for. Uh, and, uh, and that's it. So given that background, this article by Joe Hoft, who's twin brother of Jim Hoft, who uh, started Gateway Pundit, published November 12th. So this is three days ago. It says the FTX collapse. FTX is the company. Uh, is just another day in the life of Democrat rhino corruption in the U.S. See, we're not really distinguishing. There's, there's two parties in the United States. There's America first under Trump, and then there's the Democrat rhinos. <laughs> That's the other party or the, the establishment. This scandal involves Ukraine as well. It says, as, previous, as mentioned previously, the FTX crypto company gave at least $40 million to Democrat candidates and causes in the midterms. Hey, what a surprise, right? Uh, let's see, bankruptcy court should immediately claw back $40 million in recent donations to the NC from CEO of failed crypto. This is a tweet from I'm not sure who. Oh, it's from the Gateway Pundit. Democrats are happy to take money from anyone they can. The Clintons have made this their mission. A couple of days before the 2022 midterms, the CEO of crypto FTX saw $6 billion in withdrawals in his crypto over a 72-hour period. This led him to try and sell to a Chinese buyer, and there's more to it. I guess we'll find out the rest of that in a bit. The CEO of the failed company had numerous relationships, as pointed out in Fortune, and they have this big chart here. See if I can, let, me, let me click on that you know, for further reading. Let's see if I can uh, catch up with that, and I'll get back to this article. Oh, it's a different article. Bankruptcy court should immediately claw back $40 million. Oh, that's November 12th. All right, so let me get um, back to that one in a bit. Let me continue with my other article. CEO of the failed company had numerous relationships. Yeah, this is a big chart here, big chart, between uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Interesting name for a money launderer, Bankman. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just find that interesting. It says, in addition to this, Daily Caller lists many of the lawmakers who Sam Bankman-Fried was bankrolling, who oversaw the institution that was supposed to keep an eye on companies like FTX. Well, isn't that interesting? So you, you pay off the watchdogs. Sam Bankman-Fried, prolific Democrat donor and ex-CEO of now-bankrupt cryptocurrency currency exchange FTX, funded the campaigns of members of Congress overseeing the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, that would be the options folks, one of the key bodies tasked with regulating the crypto industry and the subject of Bankman-Fried's aggressive lobbying. Bankman-Fried's FTX is currently under investigation by the CFTC and the Securities and Exchange Commission, known as the SEC, after Bankman-Fried allegedly moved $10 billion in client assets from his crypto exchange to his trading firm, Alameda Research, and a liquidity crisis at his exchange, which prompted the company to file for bankruptcy. However, prior to the agency's probe, Bankman-Fried aggressively courted the CFTC and funded several key lawmakers charged with overseeing the agency, pouring cash into the campaign coffers. All right, let me translate this in English. Cryptocurrency company wants to wants to make all kinds of bogus investments uh, and I guess give billions to Ukraine so they can't just do that you know they can't just take all their money and move it uh, because they're regulators at the SEC and CFTC so but those regulators are under oversight by members of Congress so you pay off the members of Congress you give money to their campaigns so they tell the overseers to not regulate this company that's how it works you pay off the investigators it's like bribing a cop it's probably the easiest way to explain it it says FTX also happens to be related to Ukraine. As the far-left Washington Post reported on March 3rd that Ukraine was dealing in crypto. 
The Ukrainian government has gathered more than $42 million in cryptocurrency donations since Saturday, plus digital artwork, including a limited edition worth roughly $200,000, according to blockchain analytics firm Elliptic. This is all new to me. The challenge is how the country cashes in on these assets to fund its war needs. This is then less than a week later, FTX made the news for involving itself in Ukraine. It says amid the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the CEO of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, has come forward to help a crypto donation project. He humbly announced that FTX will be supporting the Ukrainian Ministry of Finance and other communities in collecting crypto donations for the country. The Ukrainian government has received over $60 million in crypto donations from all over the world. Isn't that fascinating? FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried highlighted that the war in Ukraine has been dragging on. The country is in full need of humanitarian help and access to global financial infrastructure. I guess bribes are the right term there. He also calls attention to sanctions and crypto during this kind of situation. He indicated that crypto exchanges should enforce sanctions uh, announced by the government government seriously. FTX has has stressed. Across all of its regulatory and policy efforts, active coordination, and communication with regulators and policymakers, da 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 yada, yada, yada. Does this make sense to you, Pianchi? <laughs> this is kind of crazy. Yeah. You've got the, a lot <clears throat> of these companies start up with these projects that get people uh-huh. involved, investment right. projects that's paying uh, 1.5% a day, 5% a week, or 5% a day. That's kind of exuberant. Okay. And then once they get to the point where the numbers start catching up with you, they do a rug pull. They do a rug pull. Then people that had money invested, unless they took out their initial investment and started operating on the house money, they mm-hmm. find themselves up the creek. But basically what it's doing is taking investors' money and using it as a larger pool to invest with, utilizing bots. DOT and also AI and Dev, DEVS developers, in order to trade them. They've got a trading system going on. Heck, I'm involved mm-hmm. in one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very lucrative, but you got to know what the heck you're doing. If not, you get mm-hmm. caught up. But they get a lot of people like this, and they walk yeah. away with the money. And, they, and you're not mentioning uh, Dubai, those in that area that's also in it. So everybody's in it. You got the Chinese, you got Dubai. The Arabs, you got the Russian. Russia has one of the largest operations for mining uh, cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoins, in the world. They're in Siberia. They placed it in Siberia because in order for your your uh, GPUs, which is your gaming gaming uh, video cards, right. to do the operation, they produce a lot of heat. So if you do it in the United States in some area, electric is too high, plus it's too damn hot, you got to have air conditioning. Well, Russia mm-hmm. and Siberia is cold all the time. That eliminates one of the uh, overhead costs, so they, they do it pretty efficiently. I know what I said is kind of boggling, but uh, no, it's okay. that's the way no, it is. interesting. So cryptocurrency, because I'm not familiar with it. I've never, I've never tried it. I've never you know, had a, had a big What they do budget, is that they, you, know, you have to it? eventually – what you do, you take a Bitcoin. A Bitcoin is exchanged for what's called a USD or something that's teetered to the U.S. dollar where the price is stable. The price varies by the penny from 99 cents to 101. But not like uh-huh. Bitcoin, which was up to 60000 now it's down to 20000 It'll go back up again. So you have to take that cryptocurrency and you have to swap it for USDs, which your banks will take. 
for fiat currency, U.S. dollars. And I imagine probably uh, Japanese and Chinese money is also. Hmm. Interesting. So cryptocurrency is not really a real thing. It's it's uh, is it kind of an imaginary? It's like a promise, or you know, is there something of value backing up uh, Bitcoin, for example? Well, yeah, you can use it to if you find outlets that was. Exchange it for produce. The only, for a long time, the only downfall of it that it was so volatile. Mm-hmm. You know, to go from sixty to twenty thousand, to go from well, that's the third. You've lost two thirds of your money up to yeah, yeah. But that's why come they created some coins called uh, that's teetered to the U.S. dollar, the ERC twenties. The, the the which is on the Ethereum network. You got the TRC twenties, which is on the Throne network. Mm-hmm. You got the Polygon, which is, uh, you know, it's cheaper to have because you know when you move it from one place to another, you got to pay gas fees. The blockchain is a very good thing, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's damn near foolproof. So if you have it's Bitcoin, maybe election should be on blockchain. Why would that be? Can't tamper with it. Huh? The uh, well, well, the internal revenue service. The whole purpose of elections is to have a system you can tamper with. <laughs> That's the way they've structured it, which is kind of interesting. The internal internal revenue service chopping at the bit to be able to uh, control it, but it's damn near literally impossible. See, here's the thing: you, you don't you, you your currency can mm-hmm. be put on what's called a cold wallet. Okay. Where your cold wallet, you can put that currency on a cold wallet and put that wallet in your pocket. Mm-hmm. When it's on a hot wallet, which is on the internet, or it, with one of these exchanges like this guy, where anything can happen to your your balances. I mean, it's kind of difficult to understand. But I tell you what is unique. Janice Yeltsin wants to get at that. She wants to, but see, but they don't know how. Funny you should they say got a process to... called KYU, which yeah. is know your investor. Uh-huh. And uh, that's when the people that's involved in sports start revealing information that could tie into the U.S. IRS, like your social security number, name, address, birthday, and all that stuff. But right. when you have companies that's located offshore, like in Bermuda, uh, Barbados, you can't, you don't have the power over them. Huh. That makes sense. I've got an article here with Janet Yellen in it. So if if you want, when you buy Bitcoin or when you buy any of these things, do you do you have to provide physical dollars or can you buy it on, on credit based on dollars? And then they give you so much Bitcoin for your dollar. So if you get the price of $20,000, so if I had $20,000, I could buy one Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Right. You can buy you can buy a fraction of it too. I oh, just okay. got a <clears throat> an email today from Coinbase. It said your BTC purchase is now available to trade. So, so you can trade I, that. Uh, you can trade that Bitcoin. So you can you can buy things with it. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 okay. So you buy something it, with your Bitcoin, but if you buy something and the, the value of the Bitcoin changes radically, what does that mean? Well, yeah, it does. But you know. There's several things going. One thing they traded too. They traded just like they do the forex or U.S. stock 
and uh, there's a way for trading platforms to have access to the data, which is API. You have to have access to the data so you can make your your, your platform work, your your software work. Like uh, uh, think of Swim with TD Ameritrade. So if but, you got that data coming in, then you can set up your mm-hmm. own trading platforms, which will move the price move, uh, chart movements, just like you know it does with U.S. stock. So, it's so like they trade it's very volatile. Yeah, so huh? it's like it's like currency trades. It's that's how George Soros made all his money. So it's if just I like, buy, yes, just, it's like currency trade. Currency trade does five days a week. Uh, Cryptocurrency trades 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Wow. wow. It's very, very, <laughs> it's very lucrative. If you know what you're doing. If you know, with anything, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And but I don't. As, so I'm not gonna, as with I'm not anything, there's always, the, there's always the element of, it starts with your first letter of your name, greed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's what uh, that's what financial people count on. That's why uh, they count on greed and and fear, you know. To uh, when you're, you're supposed to buy low and sell high, which is what the big investors do. The average investor buys high and sells low, and they do it backwards, and that's how they lose. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's allowed. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an article here. I'm curious. Uh, well, let me just have one more quick question. So, if I buy Bitcoin, if I buy, if I take twenty thousand dollars of mine and I buy one Bitcoin. And I want to sell that Bitcoin. Do I get twenty thousand dollars? Assuming it's the same value, it hasn't changed value. Can I? Uh, will I get twenty thousand dollars back, or does it correct for the change in value of the dollar? You would get you, other than the the what they call the gas fee fees. That's the cost. You got gas fees and you got fees of the exchange. Okay. Which Trading is fees. gas fees may be point zero seven five. Fees on the exchange may be. You know, when you buy coins, you may have to pay, like if you buy $50 worth of coin, you may pay a dollar, uh, 50 cents worth of fees on the exchange. So less the fees, though, okay. that's how it works. Okay. Yeah, you got, uh, you have uh, two majors, matter of fact, out there in, in California, San Francisco, Coinbase and Kraken, who threatened hmm. to move because of the homeless people robbing of their employees and they walk from the parking lot to the building. But oh, I'm sorry. besides that, you got to pay fees to them, and then you have to pay what's called road fees. Road fees are the, the hundreds and hundreds of miners, which are just plain people. You could be one that uses an algorithm in order to make sure that what they're looking at was is called proof of play, hmm. and what they're looking at is, is legitimate. And you got uh, as much as 32 character uh, numbers that's associated with a transaction or is associated with you that nobody knows. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's still a world I have to explore very carefully because when, when I do make my fortune with Action Radio, I mean, I'm going to play with most of it because I'm gonna, at this point in my life, I want to have fun. You know, I, I don't need 50 uh, year investments. I'm not going to be here that long. Um, but it'd be interesting to see uh, what it's doing. Yeah. Uh huh. It's not centralized. That's the, I mean, that's a good idea because uh, operations like uh, the IMF, the World Bank, Bank of America, they can't, they, it, uh, they are in competition with this. It has uh-huh. the ability to topple them over. The only thing that's got 
See, the only thing that's uh, the only good thing with it, if you want to say that, is mm-hmm. that they have to turn them into something physical, like what we call the fiat U.S. dollar, or I Which would imagine also nothing. with the Japanese and the Chinese money. It's interesting that the dollar is now based on nothing. You can't get gold for your dollar. Uh, it used to be able to they were, the government had enough gold to be able to give you gold that you could turn your dollars in for gold. You can't do that anymore. There's too many dollars. In fact, the dollar is a is a fiat currency. It's 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 based on a, on a, on how much they print. The value of the dollar, you know, is what it is, what it is on the currency markets and how many dollars are in circulation. So the more dollars in circulation, you know, supply and demand. You're gonna you're gonna lower the value of the dollar. That's called inflation. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Let me get this last article. Tell me what you think of this one. This is Gateway Pundit. This is Christina Lila. L-A-I-L-A, November 12th, three days ago. She says, uh, here we go. Uh, Janet Yellen calls for crypto to be regulated after Biden mega donor collapses multi-billion dollar crypto Ponzi scheme. This is Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen called for crypto to be regulated after Sam Bankman-Fried, interesting name again, Bankman, (laughs) a 30-year-old Democrat darling, spent more than $40 million to pay off D.C. elites to turn a blind eye to protect his Ponzi scheme through the crypto exchange he founded at FTX. It says, as TGP's, that'd be uh, the Gateway Pundit, Joe Hoft reported, the FTX crypto company gave at least $40 million to Democrat candidates and causes in the midterms. Now, that's the direct money. What we're assuming is they also gave billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine. This is what we're getting to, right? This is that the $2 billion is missing after FTX collapsed last week. Well, $2 billion is a lot more than $40 million, a lot more. And it says here, the company filed for bankruptcy on Friday, and Sam Bankman-Fried's private jet was seen en route to Argentina. <laughs> obviously a non-exigent country. And we've got Flight Radar 24. This is most tracked flight right now. Uh, is this one here. According to tweets, the founder and former CEO of FTX is en route to Argentina after FTX, FTX collapsed. They even have the radar track of the airplane. <laughs> it's headed for Argentina. they got a passing Chile. Well, you know, you can view that on your computer too, by the way. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But they, apparently he has a... Um, it says calibrated altitude 41,000 feet, so he's above the airliners. Ground speed 509 knots. Uh, it looks like an interesting, it looks like a Gulfstream. What would you expect? So, uh, so FTX, Bankman owns a Gulfstream. <laughs> Saying Bankman Freed is Biden's second biggest donor. Well, that's interesting, too. This is from. Uh, and you, know what, you know what Janice Yeltsin is from, don't you? She's from Russia. She, oh, that's interesting. Yeltsin, I didn't know that. Is she Ukrainian or Russian? I think she's Russian, but I'm not which one. I know she. I don't think she's Ukraine. I think she's from Russia. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's look at. We've got financial contributions. You see, what, you see these connections? Uh huh. I do. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, listen to the, listen to the donations. This is kind of interesting. All right. This is from X. I'm going to follow X on Twitter now because this is an interesting site. Financial contributions. FTX. Sam Bankman-Fried. Second only to George Soros in Democrat donations. So George Soros is the biggest donor. He gave 128. Is that million dollars? Uh, I guess these are million or yeah, 128, 782,000. Yeah, one 128 million dollars to uh, total contributions for Republicans. Nothing <laughs> for Democrats. 128. You know, seven million seven hundred. And that should tell you something. Yeah, I gave all this money to Democrats. Not saying that nope. now. There's some crooked Republicans out there who's engaged in at least. Uh, operations also. I can name some that I know of, probably some that yeah. I don't know of. But the fact that he, uh, look at the money he gave to Stacey Abrams. That's another thing. Oh, yeah. uh, you got the foreign dollars coming in to uh, shore up the campaigns of these U.S. politicians. That should mm-hmm. not be allowed, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. 
hey, listen to this. So, so George Soros gave $128 million. Ken Griffin is next with $50 million, $50 million, Ken Griffin gave that money, $50 million, to Republicans. Next one is Richard Uldeen. I don't know who, U-L-H-T-E-I-N. I've never heard of him. Uh, I have heard of Ken Griffin, I think. Anyway, R- Robert Richard Uldeen gave $49,117,000 uh, to Republicans and nothing to Democrats, same as Ken Griffin. Sam Bankman Freed gave $39,931,000 uh, for Republicans, $200,000. He actually gave Republic, he split his donations. So he gave $200,000 to Republicans, probably rhinos, and uh, $37 million to uh, Democrats. Uh, Jeff Yass is on this. Peter Thiel, I've heard of him. He's like a high-tech uh, venture capitalist out in California. Fred Eschener, Stephen Schwartzman, Larry Ellison. I know Larry Ellison. He's the head of Oracle. Remember when we used to have – um, remember when we had John Cullen Lovely. on the show for, for the doctor's panel? Mm-hmm. He, he got to start at Oracle. Bring all these that's, people involved in – That's everybody, I ain't going to say everybody, but these people involved in it. And see, the thing with, with cryptocurrency, the way they're doing it, especially when they have these rug pull schemes like uh, yep. COPTS, you had Revelate. Okay. You had uh, a lot of these schemes where people get involved. They go out with a with their national currency. They buy mm-hmm. cryptocurrency. They then take that and they uh, they transfer it to these companies in their own personal account, and it's traded. Sometimes it ends up in a pool, mm. and if the pool makes five percent, yours makes five percent that you gave. But what happened, they'll pull the rug. You know what pull the rug is, don't you? Because when they steal the money, yeah. the whole bottom falls out. Yeah, interesting. No, it makes sense. Anyway, the, the last part of this article, because we're, we're, we're at 10 o'clock now, so I'll t- tie this up quickly. It says, and now Janet Yellen is calling for crypto to be regulated. So after crypto gave all that money, you know, and then they say, how convenient. It shows the weakness of this entire sector, Yellen told Bloomberg News on Saturday. In other regulated exchanges, you would have segregation of customer assets. This is Janet uh, Yellen. The notion you could use the deposits of customers of an exchange and lend them to a separate enterprise that you control to do leverage risky investments, that wouldn't be something that's allowed. Well, apparently it was allowed until the election. And then, then that's the question. It says FTX also happens to be related to Ukraine. We're going to probably get that in a bit. It says how much of the billions going to Ukraine went to Biden and their corrupt friends? Well, let me see, let's do the follow-up article, see if I can get this. Let's see what, uh, let's see if we got a newer one here. Gateway Pundit, FTX appears to be a political Ponzi scheme running dollars to politicians and through Ukraine. Well, let's take around for a couple more minutes. Maybe this will uh, yield something uh, interesting. This See, is, there, uh, Joe a company, there is a company. There is a company that's called Binance, B-I-N-A-C-E. Okay? Uh-huh. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was tied with the Ukraine. And Binance is an exchange. Exchange sells cryptocurrency, different coins. Okay, you can sign up to the exchange and you can buy coins from them using your fiat dollars, no matter what nation produced them. Then the United States came down on them. They wanted to open up an office here in the U.S. I believe this is the way it went, and Mm -hmm. the U.S. wouldn't allow it. So what they done, they created a Binance U.S., which sort of complies, not entirely. It's a process called... KYC, know your uh, contributor, I believe it is. That's when you have to go through the process of providing your picture, a legitimate uh, government issue ID, and so on, so on, so on, so that the IRS can track you. 
I don't know what good that would do because uh, you can't track the coins. No, it's no way in the world you can track. If I gave you $10,000 worth of Bitcoin and you mm-hmm. put it on a cold wallet, it, they can't follow. They don't know you. They don't know where it is. Is that the same as cash then in terms of traceability? I don't. I never use cash in it, but I, I wouldn't imagine so. Well, because with cash, if you do more than ten thousand dollar transaction, that has to be reported to the SEC. Oh no, you can't trace it. Mm-mm. So, but, but with Bitcoin or any of those of those uh, cryptocurrencies, you can trade as much as you want, See, and there is the no. You can okay. mine. You can mine bitcoins. Otherwise, you can make them yourself by going through an algorithmic process that's based on mathematics, where you check where you your computer is used to to how can I say to check mathematic equations, no matter how huh. simple they are or no matter how complicated they are. They're using your processor. I mean, your computer there has got a graphic card in it. That's the fastest way to do it. You got a CPU, a central processing unit. That's the slowest way to do it. Huh. But if you use the GPU, graphic processing unit, a CPU, right. computer processing unit, so huh. it can, you can tie your uh, computer using your GPU to mine coins. Uh, no matter, it can be bitcoins or Ethereum or it can be uh, cash. Uh, it could be anything. And then once those coins are mine, mm-hmm. they are, I mean, they're in your possession. And you can send them any place that you want to send them. It's nowhere in the world that the IRS can track that because now you're starting to go into other countries. So I think that uh, Ukraine had a big part in that at one time with those exchanges, at one exchange anyway. Hmm. Because I tried to open an account with them, and because of my IPS address, they Hmm. wouldn't, they say, we can't, you you can't come here, you got to go to the one in the U.S. Hmm. Interesting. Let me get one more article here. Then then a person can always fool, a person can always uh, fool their, uh, with their IT address. It's called a process called Cover Your Ass, ASS. Hmm. Okay. All right. So it gives you a fake IP address? Or gives you a, a counterfeit one. There you go. Interesting. You got some states, that, some states that don't allow any of its residents to engage in some projects, but the people in the state, all they got to do is give an address of a relative in a state that they allow, like Texas and South Carolina. Well, people in Texas and South Carolina want to get involved in one project, they just give the address. And a phone number, uh, it really don't make no difference with phone number because with the VoIP, I'm in the South, and I got a Missouri area code, so that will make no difference anymore. Huh. Interesting. Let me get this last article uh, and tell me what you think of this. This is from Crypto Hub. It says, how Ukraine and FTX laundered millions worth of cryptocurrency. This is after the Russia, let me see if I get a date on this, November 13th, so two days ago. After the Russia-Ukraine war started, cryptocurrency platform FTX partnered with Ukraine to receive donations in crypto to fund the war. And that's according to Coindesk. Now FTX is insolvent, and all cryptos which have been donated to Ukraine are gone. Did this partnership exist only for the purpose of money laundering? Here is some evidence. 
It says FTX's Ukrainian connection. In March 2022, FTX was approached by Ukrainian officials who requested help to set up crypto donations to fund the war. Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of FTX, agreed and set up a donation portal on the FTX website. Businesses and citizens around the world could donate any amount of cryptocurrency to different wallet addresses. Ukraine promised to co- convert all cryptocurrencies into their local currency, uh, Hryvnia, H-R-Y-V-N-I-A, and subsequently buy war equipment. Estimates say that $200 million in donations were raised, but from this $200 million, only $22 million were officially used. Uh-oh. Hmm. This leaves the question where the other donations went. And then it says, here's an S- person, SBF, had a tweet. We just gave $25 to each Ukrainian on FTX. Uh, do what you got to do. <laughs> Idiot. Crypto donations go missing. It says, by early November, it was estimated that $200 million worth of cryptocurrencies had been donated to Ukraine through FTX. However, only $22 million of those funds were ever officially used to directly fund the war, according to Ukraine's website. The remaining $178 million mysteriously disappeared, leading many to believe that the money has been laundered back to the United States. This suspicion was further fueled by the fact that Sam Bankman-Fried is the second largest donor to the Democrat Party in the United States. We confirmed that in the previous article. Some believe that Bankman-Fried used his connections in Ukraine to funnel crypto donations back to himself, excuse me, and then send send used funds and then used those funds to support the Democrat Party in the United States. However, there's no concrete evidence to support this claim. Says what happened to the missing crypto donations? The fate of the missing crypto donations remains a mystery. There is no concrete evidence of where those funds went or who they ended up benefiting. However, given that that's what money laundering is about, you're not supposed to know where it goes. That's what money laundering is, right? <laughs> anyway, this is, however, given the circumstances, FCX's insolvency, Sam Bankman trades close ties to Ukraine, and the large amount of money involved. It's not unreasonable. In other words, it's reasonable. That's a double negative. It's reasonable to suspect that those funds may have been laundered back to the United States through illegal means. Only time will tell if we ever learn the truth about what happened to those missing crypto donations. Well, that's why Janet Yellen took them off the uh, thing so they wouldn't be investigated, right? She's protecting uh, FTX for investigation by that previous article we read. What do you think? Well, she, she also... You got. You have to have a U.S. bank involved. You got to have Bank of America, Chase. I know Bank of America for sure, right? Because I bank with them, and I can exchange my coins for uh, USDs, which is U.S. dollars. So you okay. have to have a U.S. bank involved. Okay, so there's a U.S. bank, there's the Securities Exchange, and there's the Options Board looking into these these trades and things. You've got money. See if I can remember this. So so. so uh, I guess the, the currency is created, you know, the, the cryptocurrency is created. People donate that to FTX Corporation. FTX then sends it to Ukraine. But only a small portion of the money that they sent um, is spent there. And the remaining we don't FDX, know. We think it, I would say FTX gets theirs from corruption. So this, this, FDX, yeah, this might not be donors. FTX was an exchange. Right. If STX was going to change and the exchange do a rug pull like some have, mm-hmm. especially online, if you had if they had online wallets and the online wallets was hacked, you know, then all of a sudden hackers got these currencies and they okay, would so be hard to follow. 
All right, so so let me let me get this straight. So so the money, so the donations or whatever money comes to FTX. FTX then sends it to Ukraine. Ukraine spends a small portion of it and secretly somehow spend, sends it through whatever their government agencies. Those government agencies send it back to FTX. FTX then donates it to Democrats. Is that how this could work? Yeah, FTX. Now I don't know if Democrats. <laughs> I don't know if some Democrats handlers have uh, have them playing in the crypto market or not, but I wouldn't ima- I would imagine they do because mm-hmm. it's uh it's fast and some it doesn't leave a paper trail and uh you can change those things for uh for a cash, just like you can with physical gold. You can go to a uh you can take physical gold and you can sell it to uh exchanges. It's like an exchange. There's one in Chicago and one in New York, too. Yeah, Chicago's for the options. Uh, I guess uh, New York has uh, has Well, a, has Chicago has the has Chicago Board and Options Exchange, which is they deal legitimate on the U.S. stock market. They're commodities, though, right? But you, know, this, difference... you know, you can go out and mine gold. You know the, the process of that. you got people that go into uh, yeah, mines underground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can mine gold in the water, running water that's uh, in the rivers and streams. There's, there's mm-hmm. gold there. It's called float gold. And you can mine that, and you take that gold, you melt it down into a bullion, and mm-hmm. you take it to one of those uh, those places that buy physical gold. No mm-hmm. question asked. It's weight. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Troy ounces, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um but I'm just trying to figure out that where the gap is. So we we uh, we FTX got money. They got donations. They sent those donations to Ukraine. Ukraine spent part of it, and we don't know what happened after that. So the money got put through someplace, so that it's no longer traceable back to FTX, and yet it goes back to FTX in some form, which they can then donate to Democrats because there's no tracing of that money having gone to Ukraine. Well, so that's what money. Well, right? see, when when the U.S. give money, donate money. To Ukraine, Ukraine can take that money and buy crypto with it, and <clears throat> then they can move the crypto without any paper traces. Then once it reaches so, destination, then it goes through the process of reconverting back to the U.S. dollar. Nobody knows um, where it came from. Okay, so wait a minute. Let me see if I can get this straight. So crypto, FTX is a crypto company. So they then send money so to change, U- yeah. So they send crypto money to Ukraine. So Ukraine. If you got a, for instance, you can have your own personal Greg Pingless address for receiving right. different coins. If right. you go receive coins over the Ethereum network, it's different from receiving coins over the Polygon network. There's only several networks. There's only a few networks where the transactions that things can move on. It's like a highway. So if you got your own personal, your own personal private uh, number, mm-hmm. address, then I could get on my computer and send you coins, and it were, you would receive them. Mm-hmm. You would okay. need to put them on your wallet. A wallet can hold, due to the way it's programmed, can hold different coins. One of your most what popular is- wallets is called Ledger. And it holds a hundred different coins. Each of them have uh, their own address, and that address is contained on the blockchain. 
Okay, I'm just thinking. This. And so, so, what, what if what if uh, FTX sent cryptocurrency to Ukraine? Ukraine spent a tenth of it. Then they put 90%. They could convert that into some other currency. They can convert that into U.S. dollars and send those U.S. dollars back to the United States. You know, where, which FTX would take surreptitiously and, I don't think and they then send donate to the dollars. I think they would have sent cryptocurrency. So that so so they send cryptocurrency to Ukraine. Ukraine spends 10% of it. If you send U.S. dollars, you got to put it on the SWIFT system. Okay. Right? With so, let's, code. so let's stay crypto. So I want to get this done, then I want to uh, let us all go here. So you, you, so FTX sends crypto to Ukraine. Ukraine spends 10% of it. 90% of it is still left over. It goes through something, and then it, come, it gets laundered somehow, and then it comes back to the U.S. Or maybe they don't have to launder it. Maybe they just send it back it really, to FTX. No, it's not laundered. It's they legitimate. They send it. They send it to an address. The address may be Hillary Clinton's address. It may be Barack Obama's address. Then he takes it and puts it in a wallet until he further wants to use it. It can sit right. there on the wallet <clears throat> until, through speculation, the price goes back up, goes from twenty thousand to sixty thousand. Okay. He's he's increased his he's increased his worth three hundred percent. Then at that point in time, he goes through the process of exchanging it into U.S. dollars. And those dollars can be donated to the Democrat Party. Yeah, the U.S. dollars. Interesting. It's like what you got in your wallet or your okay. debit card. No, I'm just, I'm just curious how this works. Now, like I said, they oh, say there's no. By the way, they do have debit cards. <laughs> they oh, do have crypto debit cards too. I, I don't know whether you've helped me or confused me, but I think both. <laughs> I know you've helped me, but I think you've confused me also. Greg, you know, know I'm going to tell you something. It is very difficult to understand. You have to put yeah. your mind in a whole different realm to be uh-huh. able to figure it out. Oh no, I think it's. I think I can understand. It. I just think I haven't spent the time to do that, but I will do that because it's very interesting. But that's why you're on the show. I surround myself with the brightest people I can find, and y'all tell us what you know, and that's that's how this all works. Um, well, let's do it again tomorrow. We're back at seven a.m. Central. How you spell that guy's first name? Fred F R E E D. Which guy? Bankman. Uh, Bankman with FTX. Let me look up his name. Sam Bankman Fried. So S A M Sam Bankman B A N K M A N dash Fried or Fried F R I E D. Okay. Sound good? All right. I'll see you tomorrow. <clears throat> Thanks for your help today. I really appreciate it. You were you were most informative. I love you, young man. Keep doing the good work. Oh, thank you very much, my 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 senior advisor. <laughs> All right. We're, we're less than 10 years apart, I'll bet you. I'll bet you, bet you. Anyway, Piaki, no, I love yeah. having you on the show. Thank you very much. I do appreciate you uh, greatly. All right, so let's do this again tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. And uh, just to let you know, tomorrow, Wednesday, we've got Bill Fecky. We've got, uh, with the, the Fecky Report, we've got uh, Wendy Arthur with the Oh My God Report. Uh, and after that, I have no idea. <laughs> I think it's another two hours. Of, we're still looking for more reports here. But, uh, no, actually, we have um, um, Mike, uh, Wendy's husband, is going to talk to us about uh, oil. We're going to learn about the refining process. So that's going to be really fun. So that'll be tomorrow, 8 o'clock Central Time. So the 9 o'clock hour is still open, but who knows? The day is young. Uh, anything can happen. So we will get that going. And then, and then, and then, and then, Thursday is wide open, although I'm looking for a guest. For, no, actually we have, oh, I forgot to make this announcement. Uh, Chief Dan Skyhorse, Chief of the Santa Rosa Creek Tribe, will be here, will be on the air. Uh, the only person here is me. Uh, will be uh, on the air 
uh, at 8 o'clock Central Time on Thursday talking about the Creek Fest. So, so the Creek Fest, the powwow is back at the Santa Rosa Creek uh, Tribal Grounds, and that's in uh, Milton, Florida. So I'll be there broadcasting at 6 in the morning on Friday, on Saturday, excuse me, Saturday morning. That should be kind of fun. Let me just play a couple things. We'll see you all uh, later. Again, our website for legislation is writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. And I'll be back tomorrow, 7 a.m. Central Time. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.